Hey, if you like The Last of Us, check out the Prestige TV podcast where we're recapping it on Sunday nights with Van Lathan and Charles Holmes and then doing deep dive podcasts during the week with Valerie Rubin and Joanna Robinson. The Last of Us, find it on the Prestige TV podcast. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions, but right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats, Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra. Not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I put up a new rewatchables on Monday. We did Big, Van Lathan, Mally Rubin. Really, really fun. Completely went off the rails about halfway through. So if you missed that one, check it out over the weekend. Check out all of our football coverage on theringer.com. Some really good uh, pieces that we had, I thought, this week uh, about the games and football in general. Katie Bakes even wrote about Daniel Jones. Uh, theringer.com, as well as the Ringer NFL show. Ryan Rossillo's show, The Ringer Gambling Show. Um, and then for this podcast, we're going to be talking football, as always, with Peter Schrager, Benjamin Solak, trying to figure out what to do with million-dollar picks in the two games. And then my dad came on to talk about the state of the Boston sports scene, the Crazy Patriots article in the Boston Herald this week, uh, and how everyone's turned on the Red Sox. But then we have these two winter teams that are kicking ass. So that is at the tail end of the podcast. That's all next. First, our friends from... Pearl Jam. All right, taping this 11.30 Pacific time on Thursday. Peter Schrager is here from Good Morning Football from Fox. Uh, noted Patrick Mahomes watcher, noted, yeah. chi- noted Chiefs watcher. So Mahomes, it's a high ankle sprain last week, has to leave the game. I'm 99.9.9.9% sure that they probably shot it up during the game so he could play in the second half. Now they're saying he should be good to go this week. This makes no sense. I've been following sports my whole life. The high ankle sprain is usually a four to six week injury. Maybe you can come and limp around. My daughter had one in ninth grade. She was done for two months. Now, granted, that's a kid. They don't have the same kind of medical treatment. Why am I supposed to believe Patrick Mahomes is supposed to be healthy enough to beat a really good Bengals team this weekend? 
It's also interesting, Bill, because I thought they might want to keep this under wraps. They might want to not practice him, not have him go through the walkthrough, just completely keep this in secrecy. Instead, on Wednesday, Andy Reid steps to the mic and is like, Mahomes is fully good to go. He's going to practice fully. He was running in practice. He was doing stretching on camera. And then, you know, the Zapruder film was out when you're watching him go off the podium and he doesn't have a limp at all. Uh, It's actually eerie how smooth he looks in these videos. And yet I'm with you and saying, I saw that with my own two eyes. I saw that unless it wasn't a high ankle sprain and it was misdiagnosed. I saw it with my own two eyes and that dude's ankle looked like it snapped. So I'm with you. I I don't care if they tell you he's 100% all this stuff. And I think they've got a great training staff and I'm sure they're doing everything they can to, to get him going out there. But at the very least, it has to be something psychologically in his head that, hey, I'm not 100% and this thing might keep him uh, from being the Patrick Mahomes that we thought we were getting going into last week. Well, if they misdiagnosed it, they should say it. It certainly didn't seem like they misdiagnosed it during the game. If there's some sort of secret treatment that he could get. I mean, listen, we've seen this in sports the last 15 years. Guys can go, they can jet out to a different country and come back. Like Kobe did that, I think in the 2009 or 2010 yeah. playoffs. He couldn't move his, he couldn't jump anymore. And then all of a sudden he was gone. He came back and he could jump again and, and had lifts. So I, I think they could, they could scotch tape it, but he's not going to be healthy. And I don't think they can beat the Bengals if he can, if he can't move around like he normally does. And I thought in general, like his movement during the season, I watched a lot of the Chiefs. I picked them to win the Super Bowl. Um, I thought, you know, his skill position guys other than Kelsey are either slightly above average, mediocre, or slightly below average. Um, a lot of the stuff that they were able to do generating offense came from just how brilliant he was and him buying time and him moving around. And I don't see how he's going to be able to do that. And if you're telling me he's more in the pocket, it makes it really hard for me to take them in the AFC title game. I also think the Bengals will just be like, no way Kelsey gets 14 catches against us, <laughs> beat us with other guys. I still don't know what happened last week. I don't know. How does Kelsey end up with 14 catches in a playoff game? I just don't fundamentally understand. Had, think about yeah, it for five days. You had defensive linemen covering him. Now, look, Mike Caldwell, the defensive coordinator, I am sure his game plan going into this wasn't, let's let Travis Kelsey beat us and, and put the clamps on Juju. I'm sure it was. We can't let Travis Kelsey beat us. But Henny did just enough to get him the rock when they needed it. And Kelsey after the catch was incredible. Uh, Travis Kelsey's season this year, 33 years old. He was third in receptions with 110. He was second in touchdowns with 12. And then he was eighth in receiving yards. You know, what Mahomes and Kelsey were able to do this season without Tyreek Hill, it almost takes the the pressure off of those other guys where they aren't expected to fill in and do what they had to do. And that's not their offense mm. anymore. They don't they don't have that Tyreek Hill deep threat. And I think they've had a significant upgrade at the running back position. I think McKinnon's better than he was last year, second year with the Chiefs. And I think Pacheco is a hammer. So I think their offense, and the numbers showed it, Mahomes' numbers did not dip without Tyreek Hill. I think their offense... Uh, is as good, but you're right. It's 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 included in that is the mobility of Mahomes and what he can do off schedule. Uh, I also think there's some real saltiness between these two teams. And as much mm. as it sounds, you know, ungodly or the the you know unsportsmanlike, I don't think the Bengals are going to come into this thing and be like, make sure we don't go out, don't go near Patrick Mahomes' ankle. I think those guys are looking to go to the Super Bowl for back to back years, and there's a big red target on Mahomes' ankle, and they know where it is. And that could be stuff after the whistle. It could be all sorts of ugly stuff that's unsavory that we don't like, 
But I'm suggesting it. I think this Bengals team, uh, with the way they talk and the way Mike Hilton and Eli Apple, and of course you got DJ Reader in the middle, who's a big talker himself, like that's all psychological stuff. And they are not scared of Mahomes. They've beaten him too many times for them to be fearful of what he can do to them. Yeah, they beat him three times in the last two years. I'm with you. The other the other thing with this Mahomes ankle, you're right. The Bengals are going to hit him. They're going to go after him. And he could re-injure it. He could tweak it. It could be in one condition at the start of the game in a different condition by the third quarter. Cold weather, probably. You know, you never. I never trust the weather anymore with these NFL games because <laughs> it's like, oh, it's going to snow and then it's fine. Or it's, oh, the weather's going to be fine. Then it's snowing. But I assume it's going to be cold weather end of January in Kansas City. Um, I like the way the Bengals are playing way more. The offensive lineman thing, which I think was a red herring for a lot of people last week against the Bills, conveniently forgetting that the Bills had no pass rush. It's a little different this week. Like if you're going to make the case for the Chiefs, and I think the I think both of these games are really hard this weekend. But if really you're going to make the case for the Chiefs, much better running game this year. There's been a resilience to them all year in these close games where either they've blown leads or whatever, but they, you know, they, they, there's some sort of infrastructure in place where it's like, all right, let's, we need a couple first downs. All right. Somehow Kelsey's going to get open. Pacheco has turned into a really good, I think, playoff running back. And then defensively, they have two guys who are going to be able to, to at least test the Cincy line. Now there's a chance, and we talked about this last week, that they lose the left tackle, Jonah Williams. Like, oh my God, they lost their starting left tackle. And it's like, well, wasn't that Carmen good? was like, better. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're <laughs> fine. Um, but I do think that if they, if the Bengals can protect Burrow, I just think they're going to win. I think they have an edge to them that started really with the way that the, the post-Hamlin stuff was handled with the scheduling where they got hosed. And then they started selling tickets for the Atlanta game. It was so interesting to read all the quotes. What do you have on... Yeah. Intel from after that with like, I mean, yeah, basically so, Burrow called it the no, the sorry, that's a refund sorry, game. Refunds. And he said it to Tracy Wolfson on CBS, which is like the league broadcast partner. That wasn't to some blog. It was like, here, everybody, yeah. sorry. Um, so Zach Taylor's been on one since the Hamlin thing. And I think people called him uh, being insensitive or salty, but he was pissed about the coin toss with the Baltimore Ravens and was very vocal about it. So what the hell is that? doesn't make sense. It's not equitable that, hey, that that game would be a neutral game and ours would be a coin toss. So they go out there and they beat the Ravens in the final week of the season. So the coin toss is null and void. Then they go beat them uh, in the wild card round. They go to the AFC divisional round and I think they leaned into it. And I thought Taylor, who comes across as howdy duty and looks like, you know, he's just he's just this like happy go lucky, uh, nice guy that gets pushed around. After the game, Taylor gets on the podium and is like, you know, I really want to apologize for all the folks who work so hard at the NFL League office to do all the logistics for that Atlanta AFC championship game. I know it's really tough. And for all those people at the league office who really put all their heart and soul into figuring out the logistics behind a coin toss, like, sorry guys, sorry we ruined your plans. Like and you know that once a coach is pithy and sarcastic like that, especially a guy who isn't usually like that, the players are reacting. I mean, Mike Hilton is mic'd up for that game. They, they're they just beating the snot out of the Bills. And he's like, all right, we'll see y'all in Burrowhead. Calling Arrowhead Burrowhead. Like, that. that's how Whoa. they talk. That's how they talk. Like, they don't respect the Chiefs as like this heavy. They look at the Chiefs as a team that they have owned. And Zach Taylor has them truly thinking, not us against the world, but that the league office doesn't want us to be the team. They would rather have Mahomes and Allen in a neutral field and sell those things. They don't want that Bengals logo. You know, we're not that team. 
And uh, it's spread on to the coaching staff. I could tell you from sources around the league that like, there's some people, how do you not interview Lou Anarumo for a head coaching job? Defensive coordinator, the players love him. He's one of the best defensive minds the last two years. 27 different coaches, I believe, including David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh were interviewed for head coaching jobs. Lou Anarumo didn't get one, five coaching vacancies. Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, they light up everybody. Uh, despite when Jamar Chase goes down, how many interviews did he get? One, almost as a courtesy, it felt like from the Colts. Uh, I haven't heard him as a as a likely uh, you know guy to get that gig. So you're talking about a coaching staff that's been disrespected, a bunch of players that feel disrespected, and and Taylor's and leaning in the into Mahomes it. shadow. Yeah, Chase and they're and leaning the into Jefferson it. Jefferson shadow never mentioned as the best receiver in the league. There is there's a lot of fuck you to this team. You know, I I want to stay on the Cincy KC game, but Sirianni seems like he has it too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't he, know where it came from. It certainly wasn't the case that first season, but it seems like this last season, you watch him on the sideline. I, I don't remember, other than Mike Tomlin, I don't remember a coach like being that animated and that kind of aggro with his, like almost like he's part of the team. I, I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm in a Sirianni. Yeah, so he, you know, he had a uh, a beat Dallas shirt last year that he gave out to the whole team before the Eagles played the Cowboys and the Cowboys beat them handedly on a Monday night and that got like a lot of, you know, negative pushback and he's had a lot of different stuff where he shows a lot of the box. He's one of these guys who shows the sweet science. We'll show a big boxing match before a game and be like, "Here's how it works." I believe I read and it might have been from Jeff McLean from the Philly Inquirer that like he he read them a dramatic reading of like an Eminem rap lyric like about, I saw that. You know, yeah. It's like this is he's one of those guys. He's in to go to every last piece but it's it's an attitude there and it starts with Sirianni and I think the way those cameras are now those 4D cameras like you get like that really close up look so when he's mean mugging it's like right in your face but if you mm. see right next to him, there's a guy, Ted Rath, who's the vice president of player performance. He's the one wearing the sleeveless sweatshirt with tattoos, and he's doing it also. And he's going after the players. And he used to be with McVeigh in Los Angeles. There's a lot of that stuff where it's like, we're going to set the tone and we're the coaches are like the players and we live and die with this stuff. But, you know, that offensive line, Brandon Graham, all those guys, they have this, this feeling of like, we're going to be the bullies. You might beat us, whatever, but we are going to be the bullies and we are stronger, mm. tougher. And you said the word aggro. It does feel like that when you watch this Philly team that they come out there and they want to pummel you. I think since he's like that too. And, you know, one of the things that really helped them was when P. Ryan was able to, uh, get a lot of carries and he had a lot of carries in the Chiefs game this year, actually. I think it was 26 for 104, yep. something like that. But now they have this double-barreled action. Um, they, they're pretty healthy except for their starting corner and the O-line stuff. But at this point of the season, everyone's missing two or three or four guys. But um, I just think, like, who's who's going to go and beat Mahomes in Mahomes' house? They've already done it. It's got to be a tough physical team. It can't just be like, oh, here's our finesse team that's going to try to beat you. I think you have to kind of punch them in the mouth a couple times. The fact that Mahomes is wounded... I think it's a really good thing for them that they're just going to be like, hey, we can get this guy. Like we can, we can break this guy. Just don't let Kelsey beat you. If Kelsey, if, cause I'm going to pick the Bengals, just full disclosure. Um, and we could argue about the other game because I think that's a lot harder. But man, if, if we leave that game and, and Kelsey has like 13 for 130, I'm going to be so fucking he's mad. Just, that, that means he's unstoppable because you, I promise you, Anna Rumo's had not success against him. No tight and, end is unstoppable. You should know, be able to take it, out a tight end. And by the way, he's not even a tight end. He's a big physical wide receiver. He can block. Like, he, he, pretends he's, he pretends he's a blocker, but whatever. <laughs> he's not like Gronk. Like when you talk not. about 
Kyle, turn the fucking TikTok Here we go. Around. Let's go, Kyle. You talk about Kelsey versus Gronk, and I get it. Kelsey's stats, ridiculous. Like, he's he's had over half a decade now of crazy production, and I think he's got to be in the conversation now. But Gronk is the greatest tight end I've ever seen. Like, let's, let's stop with, with... Like, Gronk could do absolutely everything. Teams, he was treated like Shaq by the refs. He's the only tight end we've ever seen that was actually treated differently by officiating, by officials. He could block anybody. He was such a weapon. That Rams game where it was just like Gronk basically took over that last drive. And he's the best tight end I've ever seen. Kelsey's amazing. I would say he's like Tony Gonzalez 2.0 or like whatever, but he's not Gronk. Like, stop it. I think there's an argument to be made for Kelsey as he gets better with age and continues to put up these numbers. Gronk never put up the stats in the regular season that Kelsey did. What Gronk had was when it came playoff time, he was the greatest weapon that Brady had for those well, last they three also, Super they Bowls. Never, they never wanted to put the miles on him like that either because he was a big dude who took a lot of hits. Safeties were always going at his knees. They were headhunting at him. And it was always like the key to Gronk is just to absolutely fucking annihilate him. Kelsey doesn't seem like he takes hits the same way. And I think they're a lot smarter about how he catches the ball. Like he's usually moving like diagonally or you never see him like, over the middle, just getting crushed. Yeah. Am I wrong Kelsey, on that? No, and his, he's because he's a craftsman, and you see that the way Mahomes and him connect, and it's like, do this move, do that move, and it's not scripted. And once he gets the ball, it is amazing to watch how his feet work, his footwork is so nimble that he always gets five, six extra yards. He does avoid the hit. Gronk was, you said it, hack a shack. It was like, you know, Gronk is on the ball, he's carrying, yeah. carrying four guys on his back. And Gronk was also the best blocking tight end of all time. I would go to the bat with that. I mean, best, best blocking tight end of all time. I would say for me, Kelsey is more in the best receivers of the last 30 years conversation. You said it. Gonzalez, Gates. Um, but and... I would even throw in a couple of like, people like Chris Carter, like, you know, not oh, you're like talking, the deep threat. I'm talking, talking receivers. Receiver. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think from, if you're, if like, we just unwind this and like, forget what our concepts of tight ends, receivers, whatever. I'm in a game. I, I can have any pass catcher. Right. You take rice. Rice has to be the choice. I'll fight He's, anyone yeah. who who doesn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, it's not rice. It's no. Fuck you. It's rice. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. I, I will fight for that guy for the death. I'm not even a Niners fan. But if we're just talking pass catchers last 30 years, I think Kelsey's in there. If it's like you can have any number one target, wide receiver, tight end, split him H back, split him anywhere. That guy, all he does is get open in big games over and over and over again. And he's unstoppable. You have to count for him. And I think he's in the convo. And it's an incredible compliment. I can't argue that. I, you know, who I, else I think, would be in there for you? As far as all receivers, well, Chris. Like Carter, I, I think To To definitely, even though as Randy, frustrating of a teammate as he was. Okay, so To of course, Randy Moss of course. You could cherry pick seasons where you know Randy was the greatest well, to ever see, do Ma it. To me, Moss is different though because he he's was a, just go. He's deep. like a Tyreek. He's a tilt the field guy. I'm talking about like all right. I need Technician. 13 catches and 130 yards from somebody today. How many? I Largent was like that when I was growing up. Sure. Even though sure. he never really had the playoff stuff. Look, I think in my in my era when I was growing up, it was it was obviously Chris Carter. It was Michael oh, Irvin. Michael it was Jerry Rice. Yeah, Michael, Michael Irvin in a, in a big play always. But I would say this, and I know it might not have the long the length of the career and all that stuff. Like Calvin Johnson, you want to talk about a guy mm. who matched size, strength, ability. Now Stafford I'd and him had a couple of those big years. Side. Okay. Okay. No, but I, I, you might be right. I just like me mentally, I just have him more in that like 
and there was Moss, no playoff like deep threat guy. There was there, no, no playoff memory of like, okay, here's Calvin and he's like taking care of Kelsey's got like four or five games. And I remember the Houston playoff game when they were down 24 to nothing. And he was the key catalyst there. And then last week, 14 catches while they're playing with Chad Henney for a huge drive. And he was just the one moving the chains. Kelsey's unbelievable. You know, they give the uh, offensive player of the year award finalists. And we announced it on good morning football. And it's, it's the guys you'd expect. It's, it's Justin Jefferson. It's hurts. It's a couple other guys. And like, Kelsey wasn't on it. And I made the case and it's, it's, you can get worked up by anything these days. But I was like, at least put Kelsey on the list. Like mm. Tyreek was on the list. I think Kelsey had a better season than Tyreek. I thought Kelsey was unbelievable for this team with the whole storyline was that this, this chief's offense was going to go to shit without Tyreek Hill. And I think they actually got better this season than last. Antonio Brown pre crazy. Oh, he was amazing. He was amazing. Is up there. Like it just felt like we can't stop this guy. He's just going to get his 10 for a hundred. I think, Edelman, at least in playoff games, could get to that point. And there were a couple yeah. of the Super Bowls and some of the big, you know, conference cha- championships. What about games, Larry whatever. Fitz? Larry Fitzgerald had the greatest playoff run I've ever seen. And year Larry after Fitz year, no matter who his quarterback, he's, he's, I mean, that guy, he could get it that's done. A, that's a good combo of like deep and then everything over the middle. Like to me, it's like the real pass catchers, you have to go over the middle and take hits, which is the one thing Moss never really wanted to do. Moss went, my, Moss went three routes, but he wasn't going over the middle in traffic and getting popped by yeah. his safety. He just wasn't. Before my time, of course, but the tight end position, there are people who speak very glowingly of the late Dwight Clark, Ozzie Newsome, Mike Ditka. Like you can put those in. Kelsey's a different yeah. type of breed, right? Like Kelsey plays a different position. It feels like you're watching a different player when you watch Kelsey versus those guys. The, I mean, the other thing about that era, you had, I mean, the, the biggest thing that helps Kelsey, it's a little like the NBA where the yeah. stats have gotten a little skewed because of some of the things guys. that have changed and the three-pointers. But like the, the Patriots had Ben Coates, who was incredible. Great couple of years. I mean, During, for sure. Yeah, great couple of years. Go look it up. But he, his three good years were like 10 years of hits. Yeah. Because yeah. back then you were just, all you did was just tee off on tight ends. And yeah. They went over the middle. The strong safety came up. It was like a badge of honor to try to take these guys out. So you look at Ben Coates' career and it's immediately a swan dive and it's done. Kelsey's not, doesn't have to worry about that because you're not allowed to hit guys the same way. So I, yeah. I think like, I do feel like he can do this for a couple more years. Oh and yeah. Then we're going to look away and be like, holy shit. He might break all the records. I believe They're, he's either second or third all time in playoff catches right now to Jerry Rice. Like, I mean, his numbers are insane in the postseason. He's gotten better and he's had the luxury of playing in, I think, seven postseasons in a row. Uh, Back to so this he's game. got wait since 2016, yeah, he has uh, probably a hundred so catches, seven years, and he's got almost a hundred catches a year, right? eighty six hundred and seven yards, fifty nine touchdowns. But then the playoffs is where it gets really fun because he has been in sixteen playoff games, one hundred and twenty catches. In Think 16 about playoff that. games in the postseason alone. I mean, that's that's where you make your bread. That's where you get that. Canton gold jacket. Um, he's unstoppable too. Well, can we agree that if they win this game, he has to have a big game? Yes. I don't think there's a scenario where they win where it's like, oh, and Kelsey was kind of quiet four for 42. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, oh, wait, I was going to do Gronkowski really quick. So Gronkowski's Gron- best year was 82 for 11, 24, and 14, 12 touchdowns. I mean, he did have 17 touchdowns his second year. He did, he did. But the playoff stuff, 
Gronk in the playoffs is a is a is a magical thing. Like the receptions are insane. He's had huge playoff numbers. Gronk twenty two games, fifteen touchdowns. Yeah. Um. Let's come back and we'll talk about uh, a little more on this, and then Eagles Niners, yeah. which I think is the hardest game. Tough one in a while. Oh, it's NFL playoff time. With FanDuel, every play is a rush. New customers join today. You can bet with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up with promo code BS. We are going to be hammering million-dollar picks at the tail end of this pod. America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel. They have all your favorite bets from money line, point spread, player props, whatever you want. You can do the same game parlays. You can do it all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code BS. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service and home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. Coming back, just to put a bow in that receiver's conversation, um, we didn't mention Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. who is another one of those. Amazing. It's a big game. He's probably going to have 10 catches. Edelman had 118 playoff catches, which is, is third all right? time. Gronk Dude, is that had 98, right? which was fourth. Wow. Yeah. Edelman has 118 playoff catches. So Rice has the most with 151. Yeah. Once again, proving my another, argument. Just yeah, don't, let's world. not argue about Jerry Rice or Lawrence Taylor. Just stop. We're not arguing about those two ever. Those are the guys. Who are the top five? I'm curious. It's those I'm, two and Brady. It's like, that's it. We're not arguing yeah. about that. They, we're done. Those three are over there and it's unassailable and that's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, Edelman, 118. Gronkowski, 98. Reggie Wayne, fifth, 93 catches. Hell yeah. Great and then player. Tyreek Hill, 91. Okay. Um, to put a bow on Bengals Chiefs, some manifesto oh. stuff. Possible new rule. We'll see if it's if it <laughs> sticks. Some of these don't. The 2007 Giants one last week did not stick. We went um, for it. Possible new rule. Don't pick a team whose best player is playing one week after suffering a five-week ankle injury. Just, yeah. just planning that one. Uh, rule number three is beware of the nobody believes in us team, but don't try to talk yourself into one either. I do think the Bengals qualify for the nobody believes in us. I think they're fucking pissed. I think they think the league doesn't want them in the Super Bowl. The world's against us. It's us against the league. It's us against Goodell. It's us against the anointed Patrick Mahomes and the Bills. And they're just in it. And the networks don't want us. We're a a smaller market. I'd also say what's fascinating is that it's this we don't believe in us thing that we're favored all week. 
You know what I mean? Like right. because of the ankle, like Vegas was like two and a half points. Bengals. Now it went down but a little bit. You see, it flipped. It's now it's Chiefs minus one. Tape, I know. And it's, noon on noon on Thursday. And the more um, he practices, the more it probably will go in the Chiefs' favor. But like, it's funny. The Bengals amped up and got all their ammo ready for us. Nobody believes in us. The league screwed us, and then they were favored. And you're like, oh, <laughs> it's like, right. Rule number thirteen is that don't before you wager on a team, make sure and there's 20 coaches that I was always afraid to get out in the playoffs, including Andy Reid and anyone described as Andy Reid's pupil. Mm-hmm. And then rule number 15, make sure the team with a home field advantage actually has a home field advantage. This is a real problem with the Chiefs. They've lost a lot of these at home. Last week, Jacksonville hung, was ready to steal that game. They hung. If I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar or a Jaguar fan, all week I'm like, oh my God. We had moments. I mean, that's like one of those, like that loss kind of grows on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, the so Jaylen, many chances. The Jalen Watson pick was huge, the one-handed pick, because the Jaguars, they were driving, and it was like, all right, and Mahomes is not well. That was a huge play. And their Agnew fumble. Uh, Chad Henney, Chad Henney, or not really 98 yards. 98 yards where not taking you should just be like, just just don't let him throw Out of Kelsey. a shotgun. On the two-yard line, out of a shotgun, eight yards, he completes it to Kelsey. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Henny was amazing last week. Last last year, week 17, since he wins 34-31, Burrow throws for 446, four touchdowns. Uh, the AFC title game, 27-24, crushed million-dollar picks. Bro, we had it. They're up Burrow 21-3 have a great at the game. half. Listen, Mahomes was... Absolutely hurt in that game. He he was concussed at some point. I don't know when it happened, but there was the Patrick Mahomes for most of the first half. And then there was a guy in the second part of that game that did not resemble Patrick Mahomes anymore. Really fluky game. Chiefs win the toss and still lose at home in the playoffs. So whatever. And then uh and then week twelve this year, Cincy twenty seven to twenty four, they win again. Burrow Kelsey big fumble. Kelsey had a big fumble. Kelsey big fumble. Since he rushes the ball, 34 for 152. I don't think the Chiefs' front line was 100% healthy. And if you remember, they had a fourth and one, and they went for it early, and they did an end around to Trent Taylor, number 11, and he got stuffed, and it was like, oh, what are the Bengals doing? And then they just stuck to the ground game, and they just ran it down Chiefs' throat. Yeah. So there's a little, wow, it would be kind of amazing to beat the Chiefs four times in two years. That that part's worrisome. For the most part, I, I look at it this way. And I think this is going to be a theme with the other game too. I don't want to be kicking myself after. Hmm. If the Chiefs beat the Bengals, I'm not going to be kicking myself. I'm like, yeah. you know what? It was the right pick. The ankle. Who knew with Mahomes? I, I'm so surprised that uh, Pacheco had 180 yards rushing or wh- whatever the outcome yeah. is. But if you got if you take the Chiefs and then it's like, oh my God, Mahomes can't move or oh, Mahomes is now worse and. Oh my God, Chad Henney's. There's so many ways it feels like that Chiefs pick's going to go wrong. I think I just, the Bengals plus one, there's a tease that we can talk about later too. Can I tell you something? Since we've been doing this and we've done it three years and I have a blast, I've never picked against the Chiefs. Not ever, like in just a game. Like I, because I can't. And good thing. Going back now, since Mahomes got there, I think maybe the AFC championship game against your Patriots when you guys got the best with the D Ford play might have been the only time ever that I considered picking against them. This is the most, how could I put this? The most nervous, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I've ever been going into a football game with, because, and even the, the, the gamblers know, like, this is his first underdog ever. I mean, he might not be an underdog, but, but when the line's open, ever that Mahomes has been in, 
It's uh, only the second home game he's ever been an underdog in. The other one was against the Bills earlier this season. But like, I think this is the most I've ever doubted the Chiefs ever. And they played great last week. Heroic football. I just think it's a really good game and a clash of two times. And this might be the first worthy competitor where I'm like, it's not a fluke. The Bengals can come in there and beat them by being the Bengals. It's not going to be some crazy one in a million thing. Pretty interesting, like big picture if they lose this game. I got, crushed. Have this- I got crushed all week, dude. I said, can I cut you? I just, on, on Good Morning Football, I said, if Burrow beats him four times in a row, I think it's fair to say Burrow's the guy in the AFC. And it was like sacrilegious that I said that. Every ex-player coming, tearing me down. And I shouldn't read my mentions, but what do you think of that statement? If Burrow beats him 4-0 and goes to two straight Super Bowls, is he not the top guy in the AFC? There's two separate questions. One is, Mahomes is the most talented player we've had in a long time. Yes. And they would just have this five-year window with him, a good chunk of which where he was on a rookie contract. Sure. And they got to one And they would have one one Super Bowl and then a Super Bowl loss and that's it. Where they were either a one seed or a two seed every year in the driver's seat in all these different ways. And then you escape this half a decade thing and you go, man, we only won one with this? Like you don't have opportunities like this in football often enough. Like even the Patriots they basically had three different eras, yeah. right? They had, and they got lucky because they were able to replenish, but it's usually like a five-year era, then you got to replenish and hope you get lucky again with talent. Yeah, you look at Seattle from the mid-2000s and like they went to back-to-back Super Bowls, they were in the playoffs every year, but you look back on that, it's kind of a blip. It's, you know, we got one ring. That's and we a went good to one, another, yeah. And that's like, they and, won one, they made another one, they could have yeah. won, and then it, it's over. It's usually four to five years for football teams. So you have that. Then the Burrow thing, it's absurd that that's not a conversation. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a team sport and all that. Two it's MVPs like, and it's not a one-on-one. I'm like, guys, I'm just saying there's an argument to be made that in this Burrow, I'm sorry, in this Allen versus Mahomes thing that we did for the last two years, I mean, objectively, you look at what they've done at players. Joe Burrow's had a better first rear than Josh Allen. Okay, so let's move over that. Now it's Burrow versus Mahomes. If you look at objectively, if it's a team sport... I don't know, man. If Burrow I still think Burrow twice? would have to win a ring. Yeah. But I think I think what it what it establishes either way is that he has to be in the same sentence with him. He has to be mentioned with him. And we now have a Burrow Mahomes thing. This is what Stephen Ruiz was talking about with the Manning Brady, how he grew up with Manning Brady. This is QB rivalry thing. I grew up with Marino Montana, Marino Montana and uh and Elway. Yeah. And then Joe House reminded me, even Think about it after, like, even in the 70s, it was kind of, it was a little was bit Stallback versus Bradshaw, Bradshaw with yeah. a little stabler in there. Yeah. But we didn't really have the mechanism to argue about stuff like that, right? It was like Sports Illustrated and local TV and local newspapers. Sure. So we didn't really have sports radio to argue. But in my head, it's like, you know, you would think which one you'd rather have. I always was afraid of stabler the most. Really? The snake? Because he, he was a patriot murderer. Yeah. Um, but I think in this case, like, at least... Burrow has now climbed where he has to be mentioned. And he's in the I conversation. Think I think he's over Allen. I think he has to be considered to be above him. And Herbert hasn't done anything yet. And Herbert can win all the uh, all the 22-man film, yeah. you know, that that part of the Twitter community. But he's got to win some games. He's got to come through. Like, he blew a 27-point lead. So, there you go. Um, Leaning toward the Bengals. Ben Solak still has a chance to talk me out of it in the next yeah. segment, but I'm really hey, look, leaning hard. You Bengals. go either way. I'm not going to doubt you on this one. This is all I'm saying. This is the most nervous I've ever been yeah, picking the Chiefs you. in a game. 
Eagles Niners. That line has stayed at minus two and a half. Talk about a bloodbath, this game. So Sal and I talked on Sunday. We had Niners Bengals to win the Super Bowl. And I was all excited. I thought this was a really natural tease. Take the Bengals back, take the Niners back. And it still might be. Looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, looked at it, looked at it some more, looked at it some more. And I kept coming back to the Brock Purdy thing, who's been yeah. great to us. Been great to us. Brock Purdy's been awesome. Um, it was great. Me and Sal, the first night when he won, we were like, hey, this is like a legit, this might, something might be here. This guy was good. Bet on him over and over again. He's come through. This is a different animal, this game. This is, you look at his eight games. Comes in in the Miami game, they win 33-17. Beats Tampa 35-7. In Seattle, terrible defense, they win 21-13. Tough environment, though. Thursday night in Seattle. Bad Tough defense. environment. That's what Kyle Shanahan's pinning himself to, that Thursday night game, saying, hey, you went into Seattle and a must win for them, and we kicked their ass. That's what he's telling them this week. Okay. 21-13 home against Washington. 37-34 at Vegas. Another bad defense. Shootout with Stidham. 38-13 Arizona. Then we go to the playoffs. 41-23 at home, Seattle. 19-12. 19-12 beats Dallas at home. So six out of eight home games. His only two road games at Seattle, bad defense. At Vegas, bad defense. Now he's playing this Philly team. Shio Kapadia texted me that Philly, their sack rate this year is 11.4%, which is like the highest in 20 years. They have the third Crazy most, crowd. Third most sacks ever for an NFL team. Crazy crowd. Crazy um, crowd. A little bit of an attitude. And then a secondary that just completely annihilated the Giants last week. I mean, I don't even know how you evaluate Daniel Jones in there. He had nobody open in that game. I'm still buying Danny. I, I wouldn't spend $30 million a year on Danny Dimes, but if I could get him for 20, I'm taking him. Um, it makes me really nervous to take Purdy in this. The line has never wavered. You can have Philly less than a field goal. The team has kicked everybody's ass. They've kicked the Giants' ass last week. They have a defense. This is a rookie QB. He was a seventh-round pick. He's never been in a game like this in his life. No. In his life. No. And I just, I, I don't know if I can get there. What are you thinking? Here's what I'm thinking. I was really in on the Giants last week, and I ate shit for it all week. Me too. I was, I was skeptical of what version of Jalen Hurts and Lane Johnson we were getting. Me too. Those, and we discussed it. Those guys came out there and they were fucking awesome. And Jalen Hurts was taking hits and he was okay. And Lane Johnson was throwing dudes. And look, I, I talk about these games for three hours every day. And I've gone back and watched that Giants game. It is maybe as one-sided a game we've seen. That, that game could have been 52 to 7 the way it went. And they ran for 280 yards. They're pumping the Niners, meanwhile. Just grinded that game out against Dallas. Don't take anything away from them. That was an awesome win. They found a way to win. But they haven't been on the East Coast in 105 days. They're coming to this Philly environment. This kid mm. has never been uh, rattled this entire season. I think if Philly gets up early, and that's a big if, but if they can score or get a turnover early, I think this could be Philly and it's just one of those all-day parties like it was last Saturday night and like it was the last time the Eagles had a big home playoff game and that was against the Vikings in that NFC Championship game where Minnesota came in red hot off the Minneapolis Miracle and everyone was picking Minnesota and Case Keenum and it was like, oh, wait a second, this is an impossible place to play. This crowd is crazy and they've got the best offensive line. It's similar to that Minnesota game. I'm glad you brought that up. It feels like it. It feels like it. 
feels a little like that. And I think this Eagles team's better. It's also the first game. Yep. Traditionally, now this is a totally random thing to say that could probably Let be hear this. proven. We usually have the one kind of blowout or pseudo blowout, and then the one close game. Or we have the awesome day where both games are close. That was last year. Remember, we had Bengals, right. Chiefs, and right into we don't Niners. We have the two blowouts. You're right. It's like, man, that sucked. There's always at least one good one, and then sometimes two. To me, it's way more likely that the Eagles win by 20 than Brock Purdy just goes in there and beat them. And I say this, I have an incredible amount of respect oh my and gosh. appreciation for this Niners team, that weapons they have, all that stuff. And if this game was in San Francisco, I think I would take them. I, I don't think I can get there with Purdy, but Solak... You know, Eagles fan, he's been covering this all week with Shield and all month with Shield and all season with Shield. But it just feels like a nice matchup if you're an Eagles fan. You're like, really? Pick number 262 is going to come into our house and end our season. That's how this is going to play out. The Dallas stuff, just enough stuff worried me in that game Yeah, for him. A couple of picks that were dropped. Anytime there was a real pass rush, it just, he, he seemed a little, you know, you watch like Joe Burrow gets rushed. And he kind of navigates and it's sure. like, oh yeah, that's why he's Joe Burrow. Purdy, it's like either he's trying to get rid of it or whatever. And then I watched like, he, I think he had like seven 15 plus yard throws. All of them were over the middle. So I asked Sheila and Solak, like, what does that mean? Can you take yeah. that away? Because Purdy's really good at that. And they're like, ah, eh, that's actually not like the best thing we have. But if they pass rush him, just feel like he's going to give him a couple. Yeah. Look, Hassan Reddick's been unbelievable. Josh mm. Sweat was unbelievable. They get all these guys. And then, you know, I I said this on Good Morning Football, and I, I, I don't know if it's been reported. I think Zach Berman might have had it in The Athletic also. Philadelphia builds their entire staff. Sirianni knows Matt Campbell, the Iowa State coach from years ago. I think Mount Union days when they, you know, were kids. And he leans on him, says, do you have any guys for my staff? They hire two guys, one of them a, a quality control coach on defense named Tyler Scudder, and mm. one of them a defensive backs coach uh, named DK McDonald. Those two guys on the Eagles staff right now were the defensive coaches for Iowa State when Purdy was there. Again, this oh. might be the, the 98th storyline of the week. But you better believe they're emptying the bag and saying, all right, the rest of the league doesn't know anything about Purdy. Who is this kid? We missed him in the draft. What do we got? These two coaches were there with him and they can say to crazy Jonathan Gannon, crazy, yeah. crazy coincidence, but they both know him inside and out. And I joked about it. I said, you know, even if it's like he doesn't, he doesn't like this or his ex-girlfriend's name is this, whatever it is, any piece of information, you'd like to think that those guys are playing a role. And like, that's such a strange coincidence that to me, it's like, all right, so they also have something else that no other team has had besides all this football. And I could already tell the commenters being like, will you shut up with the 38th guy on the org chart? Let me tell you something. When they put these game plans together, Matters. you better believe Sirianni and Gannon are going right to those two guys and being like, just give us everything on Purdy. You saw him in practice every day for two years. I guess the question is, is this 2001 Tom Brady all over again? Yeah, and it could be. Because this They've was... Loaded. This was the case against the Pats. And the Pats were an inferior team to the to the Niners. They didn't sure. have nearly the weapons, at least offensively, that that they had. But the whole case was like, oh, come on, Brady. This is going to die out at some point. And it never died out. But then if you look back at the, you know, a couple people have asked me, just because they know I would know, because I was there when, yeah. when the Brady thing happened. And obviously I watched every Patriot game he played. Like, does this have Brady potential? 
And it's not crazy because if you go back and you look at Brady in 2001, he was kind of like Brock Purdy. Like he wasn't that good. games. He was a game manager. He was really smart. He didn't make mistakes, but his stats like weren't like in the Rams game. You know, he had the little drive where they went 40 yards. It was basically one Troy Brown throw. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He found Patton in the back of the end zone for a play. But it's not like he like won that game. Their defense won the game. Their defense was what carried them the whole year in special teams. So, you know, could that be Purdy this year with it the could Niners? Be. Could everything else win it and he's just kind of game managing it? Maybe, but... He's done it so far. Yeah, so I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out. It seemed improbable that Tom Brady would be Tom Brady in 2001, 2002, 2003. It wasn't until probably 06 that we were like, oh, shit. Like when he was doing it without weapons, that was when we were like, oh, we really have something. Um, this guy has the greatest weapons. I don't know what it would be like if he was just on a shit team. Oh, but that's not the question. It's you got to take it as a whole. He's got Trent Williams blocking for him. You know, yeah. he's got he's got he's got McCaffrey and Debo who might be two of the top five skill position players in the league. Like he's got them. And Kyle Shanahan has built an entire offense where they get them the ball. Yeah, he's done it. He's done it. I think he's been better than Garoppolo and Trey Lance. So yes, there's no question. So if you liked them going into the season, which a lot of people did, he's been an upgrade at quarterback and hasn't hurt them. If you liked him, then you might like him now. Now, Jalen Hurts, his health was everything to me last week. He's fine. He's 15 and one as a starter and they have fun out there. They just roll teams, roll them. I also think their two receivers are and got it good. Really good. Little different than what Dallas had last week. Dallas loses Pollard halfway through the game. Yeah. And they basically had one receiver, you know, and this is, uh, I think you can throw in the Niners. I've watched a lot of them because I bet a lot of them and I They've feel like very I'm good. bailing on them at the worst possible time. Like it's like the, the Niners, not that they care, but like, hey, I thought we had something. It's like, look, man, Brock Purdy, it's, it's under three points and it's on the, the road. seventh round rookie trying to win the hardest road game of his entire life that he has no prior experience of anything even close to the game he's about to play. It makes me nervous. I know I know. Ben and Shield, they'll poke holes in the Eagles and try to, you know, at least temper their expectations. I'm friends with so many Eagles fans. Oh, they're who, at it. That's, they're that's out of their the mo- reason. This is, their, yeah. this is their most favorite team of all time. They're playing yeah. the Us Against the World card, which is funny because they're the number one team. But like, they're going to this game from New York City, from Connecticut, from Philly, from South Jersey. And it is a party for them. And that's how it was against the Vikings in that NFC Championship game. Totally different team, totally different situation. I get it. And yet, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're up 15 points in the fourth quarter and they're shotgunning beers and having a blast. Like, that's just, that's that's how this feels. This is what Shield said was the thing that scared him the most about the game, was the overwhelming confidence across so the board with Eagles fans who are always glass half empty. Always. The all-time glass half empty fan base. And all of them are like, we're going to fucking roll Brock Purdy. Fuck that guy. Peacocking, like they feel themselves. They love this team. They're tough guy team. They're brawlers. They're bullies. They love the version of the Eagles that they got. Hmm. Um, we'll find out from Solak once and for all <laughs> if there's any reason to be scared of that pick. Before we go, Rogers to the Jets. Heifetz wrote about it for us on the Ringer like three weeks ago about like this. Laying out and go back and read on the ringer all the reasons why the Packers would have to trade Rodgers this year because next year it becomes impossible. It's still a cap hit, but it's not nearly as bad. Um, There's only a few teams that have the capacity to take it. He theorized, I think, the Jets, the Raiders, and the Titans. I got intel last week that this is going to be the Jets and the Raiders is a backup, but really 
you know, and that's why I started prediction. I heard you week. say it. Yeah, prediction week last week. The Hackett thing happened today, which was why everybody thought if, you know, Rogers was going to get traded, that was why they even hired Hackett because he's a Rogers guy. It makes so much sense in so many different ways for him to go to the Jets. There's also the really weird history of Favre the also Favre, went to the Jets. The, like, the Favre like, similarities. He's become Brett Favre. I know, it's crazy. Um, it, I hope it happens. I think it's a fantastic story. The oh. marriage of him and Jets fans is it's like beautiful. watching the worst celebrity relationship of all time. We're like, oh, those two aren't going to make it. Um, putting him in New York is hilarious. The Jordan Love Ewing theory potential, even though Rodgers won a title a million years ago, the Packers, that's still there. Um, everything about this I love and I really hope it happens. What are you hearing? I'm not I'm not tamping it down at all. Anyone who listens knows I'm tied in with those Jets guys. Um, Salah met with 20 different guys. They had a list of 20 different people, picks Hackett, and I spoke with Salah today and his whole thing was, it's you know, obviously Rodgers is going to get what everyone goes online about, but this is a guy who, you know, with Blake Bortles was able to get to the AFC Championship game and with Kyle Orton off the couch was able to take Buffalo and win eight games and with EJ Manuel scored 20 points. Like, he's a good offensive coordinator. Now, the head coaching thing, that's a whole other job. That yeah. is a CEO. That is a... Nathaniel Hackett can draw and play call. Like, that is 100%. So that's, an, that's, a, that's a safe hire from them in that standpoint. The Rodgers thing, I will not tamp it down. They don't have a quarterback at the moment, and they're going to be looking for a quarterback. And yeah. if you're telling me Derek Carr is a safer pick than Aaron Rodgers because of what I don't, I don't necessarily see that. I think if Aaron Derek Rodgers Carr can't here, go to the Jets, that can't work. I'm just telling you now, it that's might a happen. match made in hell. It might happen. We might know that, but they might not. They might say, okay, well, Derek Carr is a significant upgrade from Mike White and Zach Wilson. And if we get that and we can win three more games, we're in the playoffs, you know? Uh, I, I think they're going to bring in one of these veteran guys, and gosh, if they can pull off the Rodgers, can thing, I give you Jimmy G? That makes Jimmy a lot G of sense. Jimmy G is the backup plan. I think it's Jimmy G if it's not Rodgers. Makes a lot of sense, except the injury history. Like they don't Rodgers. Rodgers a and lot you more have expensive. Brees Hall coming off a knee injury, and you're the Jets, and, and guys get injured Jim every year because you're jinxed. And Jimmy got hurt this year. And Jimmy, yes, he was with Salah, but the connection with Jimmy was really Mike Lafleur, who's now no longer there. He was fired, so now you have Hackett. Who, like I said, he, you know, when Roger, when Hackett was interviewing for jobs, Rogers was going around and like, like Peyton Manning did for Adam Gase way back when. And people laugh at that now, but it was like, no, no, guys, this is the dude. This is the guy. He was awesome. And Rogers doesn't do that for everybody. He, he loves Hackett. So I'm not going to poo poo it. And I think the Jets are so desperate at quarterback that they're going to entertain everything. And if it means making a huge colossal mistake and mortgaging the future and all those things, like, Gosh, for Aaron Rodgers in a Jets jersey, I don't think it's the craziest thing. I hope it happens. I think the price for him might be less than maybe we think. Turns 39 he, next year. Is that a first round pick? You're getting oh, him yeah. for two years, basically? You think yeah, that's a first? I, Definitely 100% I think a first. Aaron, I think Aaron Rodgers, a year removed from two MVPs, I think is a first, I think is a first round pick. Yeah, I do. You couldn't, you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell me that's a second and then like a conditional third that could become a first if you like make the Super Bowl. Potentially. And if you're, like Jets, if, if you're the Jets, I think it's a Jets, second with a condition. Yeah. I don't mean to get Jets fans all excited, but if you're the Jets, you sign up for that. You have Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Let's, let's see what goes now. I mean, you got eight wins this year, seven wins this year with, you know, 
the 32nd quarterback room in the entire league and you're getting Brees Hall back. You got Garrett Wilson. You've got Elijah Moore. Then you look at what uh, they're going to revamp that offensive line too. Like, yeah. And then Hackett speaks Rodgers' language. It's not one of these, oh, I'm a coach learning how to play call for the first time on the job. And gosh, Aaron Rodgers is such a difficult personality. How do I tiptoe around him? Hackett and him bust balls. They're like, boys, I, I, I think I like it. It's the most fun. I also yeah. personally have multiple Jets fans in my life who despise Rogers. Yes, a lot. I think it's always media, hilarious. Yeah, when your friends have a guy that they hate that all of a sudden they have to talk themselves that they're like, hey, you know, maybe I misunderstood him. <laughs> He's our guy. No, um, no, yeah, he was different back then. Um, the, I think it'd be so Rogers, funny. The Rogers Favre thing is interesting. I think that would be something Rogers would resist. He wouldn't like having the same career as Brett Favre tra- trajectory-wise. I also think Rogers is a Chico, California, free love. You know, go to Green Bay, kind of have his own little privacy, do his own thing. Aaron Rodgers in New York. I mean, I think that would be really interesting, man. I think it's going to happen. Um, Frank Reich to Carolina happened. Yeah. Um, met kinda with Sean weird. Payton. I made a joke about it on Twitter. Did you? What'd you say? Well, I missed it. It's like the Colts uh, didn't have a quarterback for the last four years, right? And he kept trying to find quarterback yeah. and just was completely terrible at figuring out who the quarterback should be. And now he's going to a team that doesn't have a quarterback. I'm not saying Reich wasn't the first pick. Carolina, uh, David Tepper met with Sean Payton on Monday. They had a really good meeting. I just don't know if the numbers were going to ever make sense for what Payton wants and all the picks that the Saints were going to demand for him. So they had a good meeting. It didn't work out. Reich blew him away. I remember Reich through their first touchdown pass ever in that expansion season. He's got mm. some roots there. Um, ben Johnson was the offensive coordinator in Detroit. I thought he was a good fit for Carolina because they were going offensive coach and he played at North Carolina and he had roots there, but he withdrew his name. So Reich is solid. Now the question is, can he get Steve Wilkes to come back as a defensive coordinator? What are they doing there? And then that's one seat filled. Everyone was talking David Shaw for Denver this week. And I was trying to poo poo that knowing what I know a little bit, just Greg Penner, the, the, the new owner, he's, you know, the Walmart ch- director of the chairman of the boards, whatever he is. He had a Stanford MBA and Condoleezza Rice is a Stanford legend. And David Shaw comes in. They know David Shaw. So everyone kind of connected those dots. But as we're recording this, it sounds like D'Amico Ryans might be the guy in Denver. Um, Houston, Jonathan Gannon had a really good interview with them. They're talking about him as potentially the guy and maybe some other names. But Arizona is the one that's interesting. Sean Payton's meeting with them today. I don't think that's no a way. the fit. Stop I don't it. see it. I think Peyton's probably coming back to Fox, to be honest. And it's not because there were no jobs available. I think that he was being picky also, and he's got a certain price. And maybe these owners weren't like to He just has to wait a year, and then he can be the LA Chargers head coach. Let's There'll be more out. jobs. There'll you be more jobs available. Got to get one of those five quarterbacks. Um, yeah, so Arizona, though, I'm hearing, and this might change by the time it is, I'm hearing either, you know, the, the two names that are leading the way are, are Dan Quinn is getting a lot of buzz, and then the other one was Brian Flores for a while. But the Flores-Kyler match is a very interesting one also. Oh, Flores is a no-nonsense no nonsense guy. That would be a rude awakening uh, for Kyler Murray. The only thing that would be more fun than Flores-Kyler is Aaron Rodgers becoming a Jet. Might happen, oh, I dude. hope it happens. I can't by wait. the way, Kingsbury and I texting, he's still in Thailand. Might not come back. Maybe, respect- maybe there should be like you, a Netflix show. Do you respect it? I love it. I think it's great. It's great. Um, Peter Schrager, good to see you. Awesome. Curious to see how the million dollar picks work out. I will listen to Mr. Solak and yourself. Good luck, my friend. Thank you.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, the world's hardest working man, Ben Solak, is here. Bengals, Chiefs. I'm going to take the Bengals. You seem a little more hesitant. Do yeah. you have faith in high ankle sprains? What's going on? My gut tells me Chiefs win. This is very much a, very much a gut thing. Matchup-wise, there's a lot that's been in the Bengals' favor over the course of this this matchup, right, with Mahomes. And there's a lot going particularly into this game. That's that's to the Bengals' favor. Uh, I do think that there's a lot of like, wow, the Bengals with a whole week to defensively game plan against Mahomes, knowing he has a high ankle sprain, knowing he's going to be limited. And there's zero... Andy Reid with a whole week to game plan around knowing Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to scramble as much. You know, you, you, the advantage comes on both sides. Uh, and when you watch that week 13 game that the Bengals played against the Chiefs, one of the things that you see is, is, is a Mahomes that wanted to find the windows down the field, wanted to attack coverage deep, wanted to attack isolation coverage deep, and in doing so, issued checkdowns. Like he had opportunities to throw it right now, quickly, Jarek McKinnon, ball out, second and five. And he didn't take those. And... That's always okay. Like Mahomes is always allowed to do that. I never have an issue with him denying a check down that other quarterbacks would take because he's Patrick Mahomes. But this upcoming, upcoming Sunday, he might be 85% Patrick Mahomes, 90% Patrick Mahomes. And if the Bengals try to play them the same way they have previously, drop a lot of guys into zone coverage, play with eyes on the pocket so if Mahomes escapes, they can move with him, right? They can adjust to the Travis Kelsey routes and all the made-up offense. If they try to play that way, then there's going to be a lot of free Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. Get me to second and five. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to run the football, right? Run out of the run out of the gun and try to get their runs to the boundary. It's going to be Mikko Hardman jet touches and Kadarius Tony screens and stuff that's not like sexy. It's not thrilling. It's not incredible. But it's a lot of what's made up the Chiefs' offense this year, right? They haven't been a very good downfield passing team. They've largely been a team that works short to intermediate, and it'll get the job done. They have the athletes where they can move the ball down the field. So I think if the if the Chiefs want to implement a game plan that doesn't put any stress on Mahomes' ankle, they can and still be successful. And then if they have faith that Mahomes can run around a little bit, they can go and let him run around a little bit. He's really good at doing that too. The, the, the Chiefs might be 0-3 against the Bengals, but 
since uh, uh, the the Chiefs were strongly, like impressively efficient on offense in the game they played in Week 13, it was a, a turnover on the second to last drive and a missed field goal on the last drive that made the difference. Uh, and so I, I I don't think I I, I did a, a video this week on Lou Anarumo and how he's affected Mahomes. I I think he's one of the best at at slowing Mahomes down, but I do think his overall effect is being overstated. It's not as dominant as it appears. If they know that he can't really move around, doesn't that change how they approach him with how they try to rush him? And, you know, when he's Mahomes, you have to worry about him scampering out. And you have to, but mm-hmm. now you can just kind of go at him, right? If he can't move side to side. Yes and no, right? I think yes, in the sense that you're, you know, you would see plays that the Bengals would have against Mahomes where they'd have like Trey Hendrickson against Orlando Brown, which the Bengals do not respect Orlando Brown. They they know Orlando mm. Brown from his days with the Ravens. They know what they can get against him. They love when they get Orlando Brown one-on-one, Trey Hendrickson. So they'll have one guy rush Orlando Brown, and pretty much everybody else, eight guys in coverage and two other rushers, are just trying to set the fence. Don't let Mahomes out. They'll have those plays. But the thing is that there's there's always two separate fields, two separate schools of like how a quarterback moves in the pocket when he's pressured. There's the guys who, like Jalen Hurts, just want to drop the ball, drop their eyes, run, get out of the pocket, and then go do something afterward. And then there's the guys who can buy just an extra second, right? They can just do that slight pocket relocation. We talked about this on a previous pod. In order to do the the first one, yeah, your feet need to be pretty healthy. In order to do the second one, I mean, it's going to hurt, you know, to push off your back foot, but you can just buy that extra second, go find the check down and dump it off. And Mahomes is extremely good at doing that. It's one of the things that makes him so special is, if you remember after that that 2020 playoff run, Mitchell Schwartz, you know, there was some criticism. He goes too deep in the pocket. He invites pressure. He's dramatically improved his ability to just buy a half second in the pocket. And so if you decide to go, let's go all out, everybody rush, go get him. He might not be able to like run away and get 11-yard scrambles as much as he usually does. But he can still make that first guy miss. He just he has the, the vestibular sense, right? He has the the head and the eyes and the the feeling of who's around where. It's it's about smarts. It's about tempo, right? It's why Brady, who famously ran the worst 40 in history or whatever, is so good at this, right? It's because it's not about like explosive ankles. It's about knowing your tempo, knowing your landmarks, knowing where the space is. So I I I do think it would be an overreaction if the Bengals go and at the first drive, he's still limping a little bit, and they say, everybody go get him, rush, rush like crazy. I think Mahomes will make him pay. So high sprained ankles overrated. That's that's your take. I think uh, high ankle sprains are a big deal. I think Mahomes is a bigger deal. I just think the, the the player is too good for me to discount him in an AFC Championship game at home against a team that he absolutely a hundred percent unequivocally really wants to beat. What is your uh, matchup of the game? Yeah, matchup was was uh, Lou Anarumo against this this Chiefs offense. Uh, you go and you look yeah. at how Lewis performed against elite quarterbacks. He's so good. He's one of the best. But like I said, against the Chiefs, it is overstated. He's only had one game out of the three he's played against Mahomes in which he had a negative EPA uh, uh, per dropback. And even that that AFC Championship game they won in the first half, Mahomes was killing him. I mean, it, it, it mm. took a weird end of the first half Eric Bieniemy fight on the sideline to even like get to the spot where now the game plan in the second half was working. And in that game plan, they ran a ton of rush three, drop eight, right? Played a ton of zone, play with quarterback spies, really hassle Mahomes. They didn't do that this past year, right? You can't just like do one thing against Mahomes and it's his kryptonite and he won't figure it out. You have to continue to try to stay on the cutting edge. And that's just so hard to do against a quarterback as talented as Mahomes. And then also a, a coaching staff as talented. The other like little sneaky matchup in there is Trey Hendrickson against Orlando Brown. PFF told me today, uh, Trey Hendrickson win rate 
against Orlando Brown specifically, pass rush is 25%. That's an astronomical number. It's like the second biggest number for any pass rush against Orlando Brown. The 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 game-winning Joseph Osai sack in that Week 13 game, they rushed three players, all with the goal of getting, and they had like six guys at the line, all the goal of getting one one-on-one. And it was Joseph Osai against Orlando Brown. So if you're if you're in a key passing situation, Chiefs fans, watch 57 on the left side because that's exactly mm. who the Bengals want to go after. Before we talk in detail about the Eagles Niners game, I mean, what is your key matchup for that game? Then we'll go big picture. Key matchup for that game is uh, Jalen Hurts quarterback run against the D'Amico Ryan's running defense. Uh, we and we can like you know get into the numbers on that, but that's where uh, I've convinced myself on this week. I was. I believe the Niners were going to win early this week. And now as of Thursday, I'm officially picking the Eagles. This has been the big thing that's changed my mind. Really? That's it? Yeah. Not not the seventh round pick playing in his first tough road game really ever? That I mean, I tend, whenever I prep the Niners, I tend to look past the quarterback at the the Kyle Shanahan, at the head coach. I've no, I, I don't get moved too much by the guy that's playing quarterback for Kyle. I tend to care about Kyle and what he does. It's really interesting. Uh, we were asked this question uh, on, on the Philly special. I'll pose it to you. If the Eagles could choose, who do you think they'd play right now? Would they play fully healthy Jimmy Garoppolo or would they play Brock Purdy? I think they'd play Brock Purdy. Yeah, see, Sheila and I both ended up picking fully healthy Jimmy. And the reason is because... You, they'd rather play fully healthy Jimmy? They'd rather play against fully healthy Jimmy. They'd Why is that? Ha- because with Jimmy, you know what he is. Jimmy is 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 as cut and dry as it gets. You know what he's good at. You know what he's bad at. You know what coverages he throws interceptions into. Jimmy throws interceptions into cover one robber like death and taxes. Man, you can set your watch to it. Like <laughs> you, you, you just you know his DNA. With Purdy, there's more variance, and variance might initially feel like a good thing. But in this Shanahan offense, which is so good in the first creation, so good on script, on the play design, play action, fake, move the linebacker, throw to the void. It's so good in, in that first iteration. Any quarterback who brings something to the second half of the play out of structure, out of script, is an extremely difficult thing to handle now. It's a whole new part of the game. And Purdy has been impressive. He has been really impressive out of structure. He has like two or three, oh man, that was a close one. You know, you, you feel your shoulders clench up, plays a game, but he's great at getting, he's great at figuring out when to throw the football away, when to just chalk it and go to the next play. He's got good field vision. He can throw across his body. He's got that zippy little arm. He's got the feet that he can reassess. Like he's good outside the pocket. And I wouldn't want to have to deal with that if I were the Eagles. So it is like, you know, you look at Purdy and you say, oh, Mr. Irrelevant, he's never played an NFC championship game before. The link's going to be roaring and it's all true. But there hasn't been a moment yet. The NFL has been too big for him. He's got a lot of a lot of confidence, that little young guy. And I, I appreciate it for him. I feel really bad bailing on him after all these weeks of winning money on him, praising him, being in his corner. Can I talk to Ben the Eagles fan for a second? Not Ben the numbers cruncher guy? Hey, me, what's up? What's happening, Ben the Eagles fan? Uh, what's your biggest 30. fear? Your biggest fear is a fan about this Eagles team? My biggest fear is that Hurts will completely fall apart, which I don't think will happen. Uh, Hurts' poise is unbelievable. I, I don't get it. Like, uh, uh, Danny Hyben said to me this week, like, Hurts' pulse doesn't change. You know what I'm saying? He's like, Hurts could do surgery on me. And it's true, right? Like, this, the, he is so calm. He's so cool. He's so collected. The entire Eagles team is throwing a party after beating the Giants, right? You have Nick Sirianni with the chain, and Jalen Hurts was just like, yep. On to next week. You know, like he is as cold as it gets, and it's very impressive. However, 
this is the best defense the Eagles have played. This is, to me, the best defensive coordinator in the league right now, D'Amico Ryans. Uh, this is as talented of a defensive roster as you're going to find. This defense is like remarkably better than the one they might play in the Chiefs, remarkably better than the one they played in the Giants, remarkably better than even the one they might play in the Bengals, who are so well coached but lack the all-pro talent. This is a really terrifying group. And they play very fast and very physical. And when they, if there's a defense that can rattle you, Jalen Hurts, the unrattleable, it's a defense that hits like this and runs like this. They are, they're legitimately like terrifying. They remind me of old school Steelers defenses where it's just like, I don't like lining up next to these guys. They put the fear of God into me. So uh, the thing that, that scares me the most is a complete stinker from Jalen Hurts there because that would just be so deflating after the season that he's had if he runs into a defense that can just knock him off his spot. What about your hero, Fred Warner? What does he do in this game? Fred, who like Fred's been lights out in the playoffs. He's been incredible. How about challenge- how about Fred running down the middle and breaking up that that one forty yeah. yard pass down the seam was crazy. They, they're the the list of players who can do that is one name long, and the list of teams who can who run that coverage is one team long. Like other linebackers can kind of do that when they're lined up at middle linebacker. He was in the a gap on the other side of the ball. Like it's it is. It's like theory that that could happen. It's like, oh, in the future. And nope, that guy's just doing it right there. Incredible play. (laughs) The challenge for Fred won't be too much of that. Eagles like to throw outside the numbers. They're going to challenge these outside corners, right? Uh, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith against Diamond or Lenore and Charvarius Ward. That's where this game is won and lost for the Eagles in the passing game. The challenge for Fred will be in the running game, right? Fred Warner got asked by a Niners reporter this week, you know, oh, PFF's got you guys, you know, rated 19th against the read option. And Fred did a little scoff and he was like, same old PFF. And that's a good line. That's a good, you know, throwaway. But the nature is that the Niners do struggle against the quarterback running game. They haven't been tested by a running quarterback this year. They played Justin Fields in week one before the Bears offense was kind of like what it was supposed to be. And also it was a torrential downpour. Weird game, right? In the two games they played against the Cardinals this season, they missed Kyler Murray in both games. They had Colt McCoy and then David Blau. They've avoided Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen, and now critically as well, uh, Jalen Hurts, who they're going to play in this upcoming game. The only real, like, kind of dual threatish quarterback they played this year was Marcus Mariota. Six carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown, and he beat them. Their defense was super banged up, but the Falcons won that game. If you go back to last year for the D'Amico Ryan's defense, they gave up 100 rushing yards to Jalen Fields, 80 rushing yards to Jalen Hurts in week two. This is a team that plays with four down defensive linemen and three linebackers. And those guys are built for speed, right? They're built for explosiveness. They are a light group. They're built for penetration, upfield, go, 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 go. The Eagles have the opportunity with their talented offensive line and with a big running quarterback in Jalen Hurts to say, zone read. Zone read on first and 10. Zone read on second and seven. Zone read on third and three. Zone read on fourth and one. Zone read. Zone read. Power read. Zone read. Then they have the ability to walk down the ball, the ball that way. The Eagles love to do like RPO stuff, which forces their line to play a little bit more passive. You have to worry about illegal man downfield penalties. But if they just call straight runs, they are bigger more dominant than this Niners front is in the running game. And they have the extra body. They have the plus one. They have the quarterback run that makes their running game so difficult to defend. And so for Fred Warner, who's the best coverage backer in the league with a bullet by a mile, it's not a question. All of a sudden, the game is about the two A gaps in front of you. And are you going to be able to step down, step into Isaac Samalu, step into Landon Dickerson, step into Jalen Hurts and make tackles? It's going to be a very physical game when the Eagles have the ball up in the trenches. Special teams? 
Uh, Kyle Shanahan's certainly going to kick every so often when he's when he shouldn't. He's going to kick a, a field goal on a fourth and two from the twenty four yard line when he doesn't need to. And Robbie's a good kicker, and Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker, has never missed a, a, a kick in the playoffs. If you're worried about anything, uh, you're Niners worried about punter is incredible. Yeah, Wisniewski, he he is, he can play. He's impressive. If you're worried about anything, you're worried about returner mistakes. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod who had a muffed kick, yep. uh, a muffed punt return, excuse me, against the Cowboys, and then the Eagles returner Britton Covey, who's been fine this year, but isn't an impact returner. I don't know. Teams to me, I expect a lot of points in this game. I expect a lot of possessions in this game. You expect a lot of points. Interesting. I'm like the opposite. Yep. I think this Everybody, is like another weird yep. game. This I'm I'm zagging in this one. Everybody is kind of there's it's big underlook. People are expecting low points. I haven't taken the over as of yet because I expect a quiet first quarter. I think the first quarter for both offenses is going to be a lot of run run, a lot of see what you can stop in the running game. Shanahan's going to figure out how the Eagles are going to match personnel defensively. That's a big part of this chess match. Okay, see if we can get away with running the football. See if we can protect our quarterback a little bit. We don't have to challenge the passing game, worry about the blitzes. And once you kind of get those field out jabs in the first round done, that's when the haymaker starts swinging. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see quiet first quarter and then scoring picks up as we go through the game. What about the Shio Kapadia theory of it's never good when an entire Philly fan base is super confident about a game? I do think the Eagles fans are wildly overconfident in this game in a way I didn't expect. I've been trying to like on the show, like since week nine, be like, the Niners are really good. Worried about the Niners. Don't care about Brock Purdy. They're going to play the Niners. I'm scared of the Niners. And lo and behold, I came into this week, immediately took the Niners on the look ahead line. I said, I know these two teams well. I know how they play. I think the Niners are better. And then over the course of the week, the more I've gotten elbow deep, knee deep into the matchup, the more I'm like, oh, Eagles might run on him a little bit. Oh, mm. Niners have been really bad against deep outside shots with corners and man coverage. And that's the whole Eagles passing game. Oh, we got some, uh, we got some mismatches here we might go after. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm officially picking Eagles. That doesn't feel good, but I'm officially picking them. Tease. So you would say if you could tease these two games, mm -hmm. it sounds like you would do Niners Chiefs. Yeah, and, and take I, the, I have a, take the cheat the Niners to eight and a half, and take the Chiefs to like plus five. Yeah, so I have a Niners Chiefs teaser from earlier in the week when the line was moving down, but it yeah. they gave us the two two and a half point lines, and I think taking it then made sense. I wouldn't necessarily tease the Chiefs through one. I I, I don't or excuse me through through the money line. I don't think you have to do yeah. that at this point. Uh, Eagles Eagles Niners is really tough to handicap uh, on the spread. Like, I, even I, I look at Eagles minus two, and I'm like, that's too much for me. Uh, Eagles money line, maybe. Minus two, uh, I don't know, one-point game, you know, running. It, it's it, 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 This is a very difficult weekend to handicap on the spread. The Mahomes injury uh, with Chiefs-Bengals, and then the lack of history between Niners-Eagles, right? We've had so many rematches where I've been able to go back and watch and say, okay, well, these teams will do this against those, and this, and the other thing. Eagles-Niners is a huge unknown. And uh, the the differences in, in, in play styles and coaching staffs and how they operate makes it a really tough game to handicap. What's your favorite prop bet of the week? Uh, right. So I brought it up. Uh, the Niners defense against rushing quarterbacks, I think, is, is a big issue for them. And I think that they're also going to do a good job hassling uh, Jalen Hurts in the pocket. When Jalen Hurts gets hassled in the pocket, he talks and he runs. Uh, Jalen Hurts rushing yards right now over 46 and a half on FanDuel. I love. I've got Jalen Hurts rushing yards and just about everything I can get it in. Uh, Hurts to score a touchdown also for FanDuel is plus 125. I think that's a mistake. Again, uh, Talking about between the 20s, I want the Eagles to be a true running team. Let the offensive line come hard off the ball. Win that way. Well, once you get inside of the 10, 
yeah, you're not going to start doing as much RPO stuff. Now you're really just going to run it between the tackles. That's the Eagles' biggest advantage in this game. Like AJ Brown and, and Devontae Smith against Yamador Lenore absolutely is an advantage. The biggest Eagles advantage is when they let their line come hard off the ball in the running game against this Niners front. The Niners lost DJ Jones, right? Like elite defensive tackle, nose tackle run stopper this offseason and did not replace him. Javon Kinlaw, first round pick. They wanted to be this guy. He's not. He struggles so much against the run. Eric Armstead is like a great run defending defensive tackle, but he's the only guy in the interior who's like actually like big and large and wide and tough to move. They are eminently movable between the tackles. So I think you're going to see uh, running backs and, and, and Jalen Hurts rushing quarterback score for the Eagles when they get down low. So Hurts over rushing yards, Hurts anytime touchdown. I think the Eagles win it on the ground. Eagles minus 13 and a half plus 340. Oh, brother. That's your Brock, oh. Pur- Brock Purdy blows up game. Yeah. I uh, I could see it. I think if we get a blowout, I think we're more likely to see it in Chiefs Bengals because uh, Eagles Niners is a situation where both defenses can like get them back in the game and kind of get yeah. stops. And it's going to be a little bit more like punching back and forth. Chiefs Bengals, I could see a position where I, I, I lean Chiefs this game, but for both offenses, I can see takeover games happening in a way that I'd be surprised to see fully for this, this Eagles Niners game. Purdy interception is minus 164 on FanDuel. I look for the two interception bet and they don't do it. They don't have like super negative bets, I guess, just in general. Yeah. Um, uh, is that been fun to do like a four interception plus 500, something like that yeah. would have been a fun flyer. Is that over under interceptions? No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, for him to throw one interception, I think is minus 164. Right. So there's no zero interception option. I don't think so. Oh, I w- if, if, if there was a plus money. Well, that would be the the no would be what? Plus 130, something like that. Yeah, right? So no, right, no. right. Yeah. Uh, no interception, zero interception from Purdy plus 130. I would take, I would take in a heartbeat. Uh, this wow, you have a lot of faith in the seventh rounder. I have a lot of faith in Kyle. Uh, and, and I have faith in Kyle's willingness and ability to get the, the game out of Purdy's hands. We have to re- remark, like, before... Purdy and, and Trey Lance drafting and Trey Lance injury and Jimmy Garoppolo contract situation and Debo and I, you can everything. What did Kyle do? Kyle ran the football 40 times against the Packers in the NFC championship game. Jimmy attempted mm. eight passes and they went to the Super Bowl. Kyle at his core at the beginning can design a running game. And this Eagles defense, man, number one in pass DVOA, decisively not number one in run DVOA. And one of the main reasons is because John Gannon, their defensive coordinator, philosophically wants to stop the pass even at the expense of giving up ground against the run. It's how they lost to Washington, right? The commanders in that primetime game. Well, if Kyle's running the football on them well, Gannon's not going to make changes to stop that because he's going to be too worried about the play-action pass game, right? That's what you don't want to give up against San Francisco. And so I, I would not be surprised if we see Purdy attempts in the low 20s. I would not be surprised if the majority of Purdy's attempts are within five yards of the line of scrimmage. There's no need to be otherwise because the Eagles are going to let you run the football on them. And if the Niners can keep this close and they never get behind, behind in the scoreboard, never need to score explosives, just give it to McCaffrey. Throw it quick to Debo, throw it quick to Ayuk, and let them score a 60-yard touchdown. Let Debo break three tackles. Don't put it in the hands of your seventh-round rookie quarterback. Put it in the hands of one of your stars. Everything you're laying out is a game with long drives and low points. The, it, but it, it's about run, 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 then the shot, right? The, it, the Eagles' ability to get the one-on-one on the outside and then connect on it. That's what they're always hunting, right? They, they take as many, if not more, shot plays on the first drive of the game than any team in the league, right? Because they're running, 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 running. 
first, second down, first, second down, first, second down, and then bang, they want to get on top of you. With the Niners, it's the same thing. They don't go in terms of depth of target, but they go yards after the catch, right? They get the free crosser running over the middle of the field, and that 15-yard depth of target becomes a 50-yard touchdown. Both of these offenses are set up to run, to set, generate then an explosive pass play and an explosive touchdown. What a great game. These are mm-hmm. two great games. I've heard cases made all over the place for all four teams. And I guess the big things we're going to have to find out are, is Patrick Mahomes going to be relatively healthy? And is Brock Purdy going to actually show up? I still think they're going to need him. I refuse to believe you can win a playoff game without your QB. He's going to have to make a throw at some point. I would argue they did that in 2019 and they very nearly almost did it last year. We're just... Okay. Yeah, keep it out of Jimmy's hands. What uh, what matchup are you rooting for? What do you want to see in two weeks? Well, I'd like to see Cincinnati, San Francisco, since I bet on it in December oh, yeah? twenty to one. Um, I think it would be funny if Philly made the Super Bowl because, and then lost in the Super Bowl because the fans have they have so much confidence right now that then if they made it, um, I'm still a little bitter about five years ago. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, yeah, understandable. I'm the. I think these are two awesome games though. Because last mm-hmm. year when Cincy was in there, I was like, ah, Cincy, what are they doing here? Now I actually feel like they belong. Absolutely. And, and they're a tough-ass team with a great quarterback, and they've been there, and they, and they really feel like they can beat KC. And then the other game is just like, uh, you can tell me anything is going to happen, I'm gonna, you know, and I'd believe it. I just, the playoff manifesto really spells out to be careful with a situation like we're in with the, with the QB and just in general, like, you know, Philly at home has to matter. Like it, it basically, mm-hmm. if we're saying Philly at home doesn't matter, then what home field advantage matters anymore? Because it didn't matter last week against Buffalo. Like, do we have a home field that matters anymore? Does, do I we think, just overrate home field? I absolutely think it matters in terms of the spread. I do not think you would see Eagles favored over Niners on a neutral field. I don't. I think that, that a lot of the, the two, two and a half points you see is baked into the home field advantage you get from the link. Interesting. I think the Ni- yeah. I think the Niners can still win that game, though, despite that that impact, because man, oh man, are the Niners really good at football. I know. I, I've been on them all week. Now you have me wavering. I thought I, I thought I had my decision. Oh, man. All right. And well, it's funny because I'm betting Eagles. I'm just telling you it's, it's going to be close. All right. Benjamin Solak, good to see you. Good luck this weekend. Yeah. Tell our guy, Shiel, good luck as well. And uh, we'll see you for the Super Bowl. Yeah, appreciate you, Bill. Million dollar picks, round three, NFL playoffs. They call it the conference championships. I call it round three. You know what else I call? I'm winning. Right now I'm up $967,000 for the season. We won $465,000 last week. Five and two in playoff big bets. Seven and three, straight up. Two games this week. You know what they are. I had a San Francisco Cincinnati Super Bowl bet that I did in December, 20 to 1 odds. I'm quitting on that bet. We're going to take Cincinnati plus one in Kansas City for all the reasons we mentioned in the podcast, but I just don't trust Mahomes' ankle. You can talk me into, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. He's going to play on it. I'm sorry. I want a healthy Patrick Mahomes against a Cincinnati team that I really respect. Tough ass team. They know they can win there. They just dismantled Buffalo last week. Little nobody believes in us juice floating around with them. And on top of everything else, I think the Atlanta thing became like some sort of weird calling card for them. Oh, you're going to sell tickets for this Buffalo KC game? Like we're not going to be in it? Okay, cool. And I just like the vibe with that team. I think I think they're tougher. I think their defense can can really throttle 
this Chiefs team in a bunch of different ways if Mahomes can't move. If Mahomes could move around, I'm a little more nervous. I would be a little more afraid to go against them. I'm not afraid. We're going to bet $250,000 on the Bengals plus one. The other game, I just couldn't get there with my guy Brock Purdy. 8-0, 7-0 as a starter. Rode him last week. Wrote him the week before in the playoffs. Wrote him a bunch of times at Million Dollar Picks. Probably he's the biggest reason we're positive right now in Million Dollar Picks. He's never played a game like this. He's in Philly. The crowd's going to be going nuts. Incredible pass rush for the Eagles. And I just, I don't think, you know, Ben Solak made the case that Kyle Shanahan can rig this so that Brock Purdy can't hurt them. I just think in a game with, with, two really talented teams and an Eagles team that's going to be able to both throw in the Niners and then run the ball in the Niners. They're going to need Brock Purdy and I can't get there. I respect the hell out of him. I can't get there. I'm going to take the, uh, the, the gift of this game being less than a field goal. Eagles minus two and a half. We're going to bet $250,000 on that. There's a tease that I was kind of staring at for a split second. Um, where you could tease both underdogs back or you could tease the Chiefs to plus five and take the Niners to plus eight and a half. I'm not going to mess with that. We're doing these two straight up. I think it's going to be a Philly-Cincinnati Super Bowl. When I was a kid, Philly lost in the Super Bowl in 1980 and then the Bengals lost to Montana in 1981. Um, I don't know. I don't know what made me think of that, but I think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get Bengals, Eagles, and I think I'm going to lose my Bengals-Niners Super Bowl bet, but that's fine. That's fine. This is how it's going to play out. Those are the million dollar picks for round three. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? This is something I've thought about a lot over the last 25 years. Sometimes little kids enter your life. Sometimes you're just searching for that extra hour. Sometimes it feels like all of a sudden it's three o'clock, four o'clock, and it's like, where'd the day go? I barely did anything. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you so that you can make it a priority and therapy can help you figure that out. A therapist can guide you through the process of defining your values and understanding your priorities so you know what things you can spend your time on that will really fulfill you. Otherwise, you'll always be wishing for more time. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month, 10%. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo 
Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, last but not least, my dad is here. He's in Boston, Massachusetts. He turned down a chance to be the Patriots offensive coordinator, so they hired Bill O'Brien. Um, we had a lot of issues with the with the play calling this year. There was a Boston Herald article today that had all these unnamed sources and um, inside info on what an absolute train wreck it was behind the scenes. Again, this makes me wonder, like, is it time for Belichick? How does he oversee something that was that dysfunctional? What did you think of the piece? I haven't had so much fun reading a piece in the newspaper in years. Um, you know, we all thought there was dysfunction, but that article really let you inside some of the inner workings of a, di- of a disorganized ship. And all these inferences that Bill Belichick had lost control of the ship. Didn't you think? Yeah. That's how I read it. So many disturbing pieces to it, but one was that they just didn't have enough plays, which is something you and I would text (laughs) about every week. Like, do we have more plays? Like how many times can we run the same three bubble screens? And then, but we we did run the same plays over and over. And, and, and as you read, a couple of the players complained that they didn't have enough plays. How about when they would ask questions to the coaches and the coaches wouldn't have the answers or the players would be like, well, wait a second, if the defense does this, then what's our plan B? And the coaches would be like, gee, uh, we didn't look at so that. And <laughs> but, you know, again, we, we've had so much respect for Belichick over the years. Where was he during this train wreck? I mean, he couldn't have been oblivious to how incompetent his two coaches were. Yeah, uh, it, it's it was sad to read the article, to be honest, because we've been such Belichick fans. But whether he was so committed to these to, to uh, the guys coming in who were his friends, you know, on top of it, he has two sons working on defense. You know, the nepotism and bringing in your best friends. It's so unlike him after 20 years of success. The, well, the I remember really troubling. He hit his seventies. I remember when you hit your seventies. I think that was when you fell in Beacon Hill and you had like a it was pro- a probable broken wrist, but you didn't want him to know it was broken. But you fell like three times in one winter, and I was like, "Is my I dad did, just getting yeah. old? What's happening?" And now that <laughs> Belichick, that Boston Herald piece was the same thing. Maybe it's just a seventies thing. I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I, I think. In my mind, it was loyalty to two former coaches, you know, uh, mm. Patricia and Judge. And well, you're a loyal guy. You understand the loyalty thing. I understand the loyalty thing. I, I understand as as the leader of an organization being loyal to people who were there when you had the highest amount of success, which he did with Patricia and Judge. But they lost their fastball too. Yeah, they, and Judge might not have even had a fastball. He might have just had a slider. Well, if he, if he had a fastball in September, they weren't letting him use it in November. That was one of the uh, things you took out of the article. He suddenly was moved out of the equation, you know, wasn't in the meetings anymore. I love the part about how Judge got on Mac Jones's nerves. You know, he, he talked at the top of his voice so that he could be heard and sound powerful. You know, I I got a better impression of Mac Jones after reading the article that uh, Mac Jones had the insight that this was a sinking ship. Yeah. And uh, 
and no wonder he was so upset all the time. Um, well, it did make me think like maybe this was just the year from hell for Mac Jones and he gets hurt. He gets a sprained ankle. Um, where he misses four weeks. He's got this crazy offensive coordinator, quarterback coach situation. Zappy has one good game. Everybody in Boston gets excited about him. They're not playing Kendrick Bourne. There are all these reasons maybe that you could talk yourself into year three. Plus like watching Prescott and Purdy on Sunday. And it's like, all right, if we had a better situation, could Mac be at least as good as Dak Prescott? It's not inconceivable. I'm talking talking myself into everything you just said. Me too. We're back. as As is Kyle. Mac is back. Kyle, you're back. You back. Have you forgiven Mac, Kyle? <laughs> Jersey's back on order. I, I can't. <laughs> now I got it. We're leaving the t-shirt jersey. We're going full-fledged jersey. All right. So we're back on that. Red Sox, still an absolute out-and-out catastrophe. The The owner is getting booed in public now in Boston. They at least signed Raphael Devers, but it's a train wreck of a team. Then this week they signed... At a bar, or they traded for uh, Mondesi from the Royals, who was on my AL keeper team for the last four years. The last two was an absolute axe murder. We were finally done with them, and Hench and I were like, "Oh my god, this guy's back in our life." Mondesi, <laughs> we we just got rid of him. He's back, but they're just taking flyers on all these different. Th- they're acting basically like a team that doesn't have a gigantic war chest of money and huge fan support. But do you think people are going to go to the games this year? What what's going to happen? Well, well, it's interesting. They, they didn't sell out most of the games last year. Yeah. And that was before all the negative publicity started coming forth. You know, for for, for uh, John Henry to be booed at the big fan celebration in Springfield, unheard of. I mean, he had been booed two weeks earlier at the uh, hockey game at the uh, Fenway Park. The Because pe- he owns the Penguins, too. I mean, there was a double boo. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not why they were booing. I mean, he was there because he owns the, the Red Sox and Fenway Park. Yeah. You know, so, oh, good point. Um, but to be booed, heavily booed, twice in two weeks, you know, obviously, I, it seems By, by the way, deservedly booed. Well, deservedly I'm glad booed. they booed him. You know, it, it might, after the first booing at the hockey game, everybody thinks it led to a quick rush to get Devis under contract. Um, but you know, too little, too late. Uh, this, I agree with you, this lineup, they had the lineup in the paper today, the projected lineup before story comes back, which of course probably won't be this year. Um, it's retreads where guys who have been hurt and never have done what they were scheduled to do on other teams. Or guy, like guys who look good like, on paper, on paper yeah, guys. We're like the Kansas city Royals all of a sudden. Uh, and by the way, and I think you know this, the highest price ticket in baseball to go to a game at Fenway Park. Wow. Um, it's so funny. They keep they keep going to get these low OBP, high strikeout guys, which yeah. is like the complete opposite of <laughs> what worked in baseball for the 21st century and even like in 2018. And then when they got Schwerber two years ago were these guys who did seven pitch at-bats and uh, well, working the pitcher. Now it's just everybody's going to strike out, I guess, is the new strategy. Well, there was there was an article in the paper today about our new center fielder from uh, Atlanta who yeah. has, he's a right-handed hitter and he has one of those elevated swings. Yeah, he and strikes course, out all the time. Yeah, but when he connects, it's probably going to go into the mass pike. So Great. We're, so we're we probably, just get to watch strikeouts and homers. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Well, 
he'll be hitting 230. He'll have 33 home runs and 172 strikeouts. It's it's my travesty. Is we've known each other for a while, considering you're my father. Um, yeah, I think the Mookie trade is the worst trade of my lifetime. I felt that way four years ago, and or three years ago, whenever they finally made it. But um, now, when we look, it's like Verdugo and two guys who basically aren't ever going to be in the team. And then you see what the prices are well, for basically all the baseball well, superstars. Downs, even in New York. Yeah, they DFA Jeter Downs. But then you see like what happened with contracts and baseball where everybody, any really good player is like 300 million and up, which they were seemingly terrified to do. But also that he's such a good bet to just be healthy every year. In worst case scenario, he's this awesome athlete who at the very least will hit 275 and be awesome defensively and have some steals and be like a really smart game guy. That's like his worst season. And he's going to be durable. He's not going to break down. I just can't, I still can't get over it. I can't get over it. Well, that was, it was one of the reasons Bloom got, Bloom, who was there with John Henry at, in Springfield, he got booed heavily because he tried to justify the bets trade. He, yeah. And basically what he, was, what he said was, we couldn't pay him that money at that time because we didn't have the assets to surround the team around bets. Oh, we didn't fuck have you. the minor, Fuck you, Bloom. I mean, and that's, and then that's when they started booing. Uh, yeah. You know, just, I, he's getting so much. John Henry gets his share of negative publicity. Of course, not as much in the Globe because he owns the Globe. Bloom is getting killed. <laughs> right. I, I, love, I love every Dan Shaughnessy article because even though Shaughnessy works for John Henry's newspaper, he doesn't care. Yeah. He, 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 say, he writes what all of us are thinking and talking about. Uh, Bloom is a disaster. I, By the way, Dad, I feel like if I was the Boston Globe sports columnist and that was my job, I would have probably gotten fired. fired. Yeah, I would have no, been fired, right? Fired I would have lost yeah. my mind with the Mookie bets. If this was like, my only job is to write columns about Boston sports, it would have been like, here's my 49th Mookie bets column. Um, no, you, you would have been fired, but at least you probably would have then gone off and, and started something like The Ringer. Yeah, I would have started the Boston Ringer and just competed yeah. with John Henry. Um, yeah. Well, on the Bogarts thing, the Trevor story where they got him at a discount, they're all excited about that. But the reason they got him a discount was because he had a fucked up elbow. And then we're watching him in the first month. We're like, this guy looks hurt. You yeah. and I were texting. We're like, this guy, he's gritting. He's like gritting his teeth. Like he's clearly in pain. Is this a bad sign for our new $140 million infielder and now he's getting this I guess fake Tommy John surgery whatever it is. Well he only looked like he was in pain when he was doing two things. One when he was throwing the baseball to first base yeah, and secondly when he was swinging the bat. Yeah. Otherwise he looked like a nice guy. Yeah in the dugout he didn't seem hurt. Yeah in the dugout he, he looked like everybody liked him. Yeah they were like it's better for him to play in second base because it's a little bit easier on his arm. It's like what does that mean? Oh, yeah, I he's, think, he's got an injured elbow. Why do we spend all this money on him? It was absolutely idiotic. Well, they spent the money that could have gone toward Bogarts. Yeah. They spent the money that could have gone toward Betts two years earlier. Right. It, it made the, the decisions they've made. Plus, you know, I know they hired Bloom to build up the minor league system. Um, you look at the averages of the players that are in the minors. And even Cassis, the first baseman they brought up, he hit. He really has a nice swing. 
right? Yeah. He hit 182 in his first season with us. But it, the swing looks really good. If, if right. we could ever hit the ball, maybe this for, year. For the listeners, my dad was a big, even before the internet, um, looking at all the minor league team stats. You would have the Sunday Globe would have like New Britain and Pawtucket and all the teams. And the year we traded Jeff Bagwell, you were outraged because you were apparently the only person who had been following Jeff Bagwell's minor league stats. You're like, wait a second. This guy's hitting like 330. Why are we, why is he in the trade? They picked him over Scott Cooper. You were mad when it happened. You remember who they traded Bagwell for? Yeah, it was Larry Anderson. We we needed a reliever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the, they got him for, I think the Padres and they were like, basically, we want Cooper or Jeff Bagwell. And they, no, and the Red they, Sox picked him. Jeff Bagwell and we kept Scott Cooper, who was way worse than Jeff Bagwell. That was tough. It would have been like keeping Dahlbeck over any other first baseman in the you major league. Like what we did last year? Yeah, um, like we did. Yep. I don't want to talk about the Red Sox anymore. Let's okay. talk about the winner of success. So you're the only, you and Hench are the only two people I know who watch regular season hockey. You've been watching this Bruins season all year. They, it's the best regular season the team's ever had. They've been a juggernaut. They've been dominant. What's going to go wrong? This never happens where the team in hockey just rolls all the way through and then gets to the playoffs and just keeps rolling. It's always like a curse, the regular season. So what goes wrong? They had this dispiriting article in the Globe today about all the teams that have uh, led the National Hockey League and wins and then got knocked out in either the first or the second round of the playoffs. Right. It, 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 it kind of made me cringe a little bit. Um, you know, I, I have watched more regular season hockey this year than when – it would have to go back to the years when you and I were watching the late 70s teams. It's a fun team to watch. They all seem to like each other. The coaches opened mm. up the offense – the defensemen are coming into the offensive zone. It's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think the only thing that can hurt them are injuries. I, I really think they're that talented. Um, so you trust the goalie? To, I, I trust both goalies. Yeah, I do. Um, okay. Yeah, I do. I think, I, I, you know, last year, the guy they got from Buffalo, I had some questions about, but I think he just took some time to get settled in. He's looked terrific this year. Um, and the goalies like each other. They support each other. They were so lucky that Bergeron didn't retire. They were so lucky that Krejci came back. You know, Bergeron's having one of the best years of his entire 19-year career. Hopefully he doesn't retire. He looks it's amazing. great. Plus, it's amazing. Plus Cousin Brian is working at the Garden now. I mean, it's just it's, it's an incredible turn of events. Incredible turn of events. There, one of the uh, the Shaughnessy article today in the paper talked about, and, and you hate to see this and get excited about it, but two duck boat parades in June. Uh, oh no! It, see that's a, yes. that's why that's why I can't stand Shaughnessy. This is the shit he does. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He's like, just trying to jinx it. But no, no city has ever had two uh, spring. Uh, championships, hockey and basketball. Why are you doing this? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I don't understand what's happening right now. 
<laughs> like losing right. your mind. I thought you were going to say like, and that's why it's not going to happen. But you you said no, it excitingly, I, and you had like like real joy in your eyes. I'm, I'm I have to be. You know, let's face it. How many more years do I have to get excited? I'm excited. Oh, this could happen. This Bezos happen. is doing all these anti aging drugs. You're fine. You're going to be living okay. 120. Well, um, I don't mean that, but we're both teams are at the top of their leagues at the same time. It's pretty in, great. In, and this next week is February. Except somehow the Celtics lost to Miami again the other night. Well, four, they had four guys who didn't even play, though. No, uh, I know. I just like but, I, I just hate and, that Miami exists. I just can't stand them. And it was a classic, like, 15 to nothing run. Joe Maz, who's been really good for the most part, but just hates timeouts, just can't stand them. Um, uh, uh, you and I have some reservations on Joe Maz, and I well, thought that, the at game, the end, like not calling the timeout for the last shot. Tatum's right. Tatum looked exhausted the whole fourth quarter, and it's like, hey, maybe maybe sit him down and let's uh, let's come up with a good play and give this guy a break, let him have some water. But he just I hates agree. timeouts; he won't do it. I, I I don't think he understands the value of certain decisions at the end of a fourth quarter. Tatum was exhausted. Tatum reminded me of how he looked in the playoffs against Golden yeah. State. Um, He's played a lot of a minutes this year. They needed a timeout. I mean, yeah. Jalen Brown didn't play in that game. Tatum, you know, carried the offense playing all five positions at, at, at certain times. They needed a timeout to drop a play, even if it wasn't for Tatum. I mean, somebody else would have been open. Uh, hey, your guy, Peyton Pritchard. Um, somebody. Uh, yeah, you know, I agree with you about Miami, though. They kept showing. Uh, I hate them. R Riley in the stands looking like, eh, we're going we're gonna to win this game. He had that smirk on his face. The thing is, they're not nearly as talented as the Celtics, I don't think. But they really believe they're better than the Celtics. And you never want to play teams that are just like, not afraid of you. I absolutely think we can beat you, even though it doesn't make sense if you look at it. Like, Hero was, what was he, two for 15 at one point in that game? Man, he never made, beat us when Hero isn't making shots. I agree. But then Hero, of course, made a big shot at the end. You know who, who consistently kills us, although Horford didn't play? Adebayo. Adebayo. Yeah, he was unstoppable. We had, and I, I thought Robert Williams did not do a good job on him at the end. And maybe he's just the kind of player he can't play well. But so what do we need? What do we, you go to these games? You're in the stands watching it. You were at the Warriors game Thursday night, for instance. What do we need? Because I think you and I both, the last time we talked about this, like a week ago, both of us feel like we're a wing short. Like the Gallinari, yeah. Gallinari signing, he gets hurt. Then. Sam Hauser, really good first month. And then Sam tragically died, had the funeral for him. Um, and that's it. We just have no backup wing. Yeah, we're, we're missing we're missing a Gallinari. Uh, that would have been the guy that came off the bench to spell Tatum. So Tatum was three, three slash four, either forward spot. Three slash four. I mean, Gallinari was such a good signing because even in Atlanta, he played a little center as well, backup center against another team's smallest center. Um, there's an article about him in the paper today about his rehab. and he, Yeah, I don't his, trust that. He's not going to come I, back in time. I, I hope, I don't think he, you he's know. Been, he's been a big win though because I think for the woman in our life, I think like Zoe Simmons, my daughter, um, huge Gallinari fan, really hoping oh, he sure. comes back. Yeah, I think that yeah. dude, 
that dude's got it going. I know, I know, uh, my stepmother is also a Gallinari fan. It's going on yeah, the bench well, looking like Italian. He's doing got Italian your Italian, stuff. He's got your Italian heritage. No wonder Zoe likes him. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, that's good. Could have more Italians in the family. Um, yeah, they need a wing. You, you were the last person who liked Josh Richardson and, and you're still hoping they bring him back. I, you know, I think he's going to be available. Uh, he could even be a buyout candidate or I'd, I'd throw two or three second round picks at him. Um, he, he is exactly what we don't have. Uh, and I know they had to throw him in that trade. And, you know, there are, most of the time, uh, White is okay. The end, of the, the end of that game the other night, he was terrible. But uh, they need a wing like Richardson. Yeah, you, know what, you know what White is like? White reminds me of those pitchers. He's like Nick Pavetta. It was like, wow, Nick Pavetta's got a one-hitter through six, but you don't trust it ever for some reason. There's just like, yeah. yeah. I just feel yeah, like one more it. time around the lineup, this is going to go badly. White's the same way, or it's like, White's five for six from threes. Eh, still don't 100% feel comfortable. Right. That's funny, that, a good way to phrase it. When you have Brogdon and you have Smart, you don't have to rely on White so much in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And that, that's what happened the other night. Uh, and Pritchard was getting beat on defense. You know, I, I like Would you trade Pritchard? Because I do think he has trade value. You know, after seeing Smart and, Pritch- and uh, Brogdon out like this, we, we needed Pritchard. Uh, yeah. We we had no other guard to throw in there. I mean, the guy they have down in the G League is not ready. So, would I trade him? I don't think so. Because um, I think I, if you put him and Gallinari together, you can get in like the ten million dollar range. I don't want Gallinari to be in a trade. Uh, you know, we have him next year. Uh, you love that he comes to the games. He comes. Not only comes to the games. He's on the road with the team at travels the, uh, at the travel games. He, I like, I like his investment. I'd, I'd hate to see him just given away. Yeah, it's a ta- the Italians are just good people. That's why you <laughs> married one once upon a time. Maybe it didn't work out, but you know they're good people, good loyal Shit. people. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Yeah, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> My mom's probably listening right now. Um, do you feel like we're going to be in the finals? If we're like, I'm not, I'm asking that not to jinx it. I'm saying like, do you feel like this is a finals team that you're watching when you're going to the games? If we're healthy, this is a finals team. And Tatum, yeah. even though, you know, he, ha- he still occasionally has some decision-making stuff like in the Warriors game, but the difference, and you and I argued about this last week because I was like, I love the fact that he kind of sucked in that game, but he still affected it. He had 19 rebounds. He, he still made the right plays for the most part, and he just had a couple turnovers because he played the last three quarters and the overtime. Like, they never took him out. So, I don't know. I just feel like last year he would have caved in that game, and this year he didn't. Yeah. I, the turnovers, I don't get the turnovers. You know, I, I go to most of the games, and consistently he has, like, a brain fart in terms of throwing the ball or dribbling the ball or... Yeah, I mean, it's Jay, like too much Jaylen use. Brown. Yeah, and I, I guess it's being tired. He's out there a little bit too much. Well, you Jaylen saw what Brown. Miami did. Miami roped him into one on that last play. It's yeah, like they exactly. almost like rope doped him. They, they did. Um, but it happens a lot. I mean, it happened the game before that too against Orlando. The, he had a, a, 
he consistently has five to seven turnovers a game. I know, but that's, that's, the thing, that's a great thing with him. Like he's, I still feel like he's two years away from being whoever he's going to end up of, with as a player. He's still only 25. 27 is usually the year. So he's but in like why, kind of where Giannis was two years before the finals. But that's why I said if we're healthy, because when we're healthy and you have Horford and Robert Williams and Brockton coming off the bench and, you know, you, you really look at the depth of our team, the warts don't come up so quickly. And yeah, I know, I know you can say that about every team, but I think we're more talented than any other team. But we have to be healthy. And what I like, you know, you agree? I'm still, I'm still a whiff worried about the coach. Like I, last night I was watching, yeah. I was watching Sacramento against Toronto last night. Toronto beat Sacramento last night. But I, I like watching Sacramento and it's a fun game. It's a fun matchup. And Toronto just played really well. And Sacramento was home and the crowd was like dying to get into it. And it was like four minutes left and they Sacramento scored like two baskets in a row and they got it down to like 12 or four. I don't even remember, 12, 14. And Nurse was just like, time out. I'm not, I'm not even letting you think about making a run here. And it's yeah. like that, that's the stuff that Nurse does and Spolstra and Steve Kerr, like they have that feel for, yeah. I don't like where this is going. I'm stopping this now. Whereas Missoula, that I've never seen a coach just be like, nope, I trust my guys. They're going to work their way out of this. How many these 15-0, 16-0, 19-0 runs this team's given up this year? I just I well, really worry about it in the playoffs. I I do too. That I'm hoping by the time the playoffs roll around, he's learned his lesson. Tuesday night, that 15 nothing run, he should have had two timeouts during that yeah. run. Yeah, and, and you knew Miami just, was going to do it. That was the thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Who's the best team you've seen in person this year? Cleveland. Um, no. Philly? Brooklyn? Golden State? Denver? You Did you see that? You didn't go to that game. No, I didn't. I think Golden State was the best team I've seen in person this year. Yeah, because uh, they didn't they even all, shoot that well. No, they were healthy. Their, their entire team played that game. Their bench is a little short. They have the same problem. We have one injury sinks that team. But they were entirely healthy when they played us last week. Mm. They're the, they scare me. Yeah, you know, they the scare me too. They're like that, Miami. Yes. Certain teams come in the garden. You, you know, like Philadelphia doesn't scare me. They might beat us. But I hate to see Miami. I hate to see Golden State. Um, well, did you watch? You didn't see Philly Brooklyn last night, did you? No. I, I, I read it, the articles. I picked Embiid to be first team. I To be the all-star starter. I think he's having a good year. Still feels like he gets tired in these games. I really wonder what that's going to look like in a series where he's got to play seven games, 40 minutes right. a game. He was like, at the last hour of that game, he looked like luggage to me. And I, it's like we're, you know, in the 55, 50 game mark now, you know? I think we frustrate him too. Yeah, no On the question. other hand, there are only two games behind us in the lost column. I know. So they're, they're playing very well. They, that guy they have... Uh, Starting Melton. it, yeah. I mean, he came out of the blue. Uh, well, they stole him from Memphis. He was like, Memphis had so many dudes. Um, that was a classic Daryl Morey. He always finds those guys. He finds those like f those role players that just are like perfect fits. I'll be interested to see if they can stay healthy. I still, I, I don't trust Embiid and Harden to be healthy for a few more months. The the wild card team's Brooklyn, just because of uh, yeah. 
you know, Durant was playing so well before, but then Kyrie's been really good now for two months. This is the best he's looked in a long time. I still don't trust him. I think he'll end up doing something dumb at some point, but it is, you know, in a series, you only need, you need four of the seven. And it feels like he, if he's playing like this in the playoffs, he could steal two games and then you got Durant for the other two. So I, I kind of hope we don't see them. I hope we don't see them either. And, and I like it. I like every time they lose because they create more distance between the two teams. You know, right. Durant's going to be back in about three weeks. The other yeah, guy that's gotten hot for Brooklyn is Curry. Curry's yep. gotten very hot for them. He's playing very well off the bench. And he's giving them a, a third shooter. Um, well, Curry's, Curry's a, a beloved ringer guy because we have his wife doing podcasts and now his brother-in-law. Doc, Doc's uh, next. <laughs> Doc, Doc's, Doc, Doc's going to be Doc, the next one we have. Doc might be available pretty soon. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, there's definitely going to be some of that. Who's the most popular guy in Boston right now? Tatum? Well, obviously, if you go to a Celtic game, he's the most popular guy. But uh, I th- that's a good question. Ber- is it Bergeron? I was going to say Bergeron. I mean, mm. he's not somebody that, he might walk by me in the street and I'd have to take a double look to make sure that's who he is. But th- just the, the the way he plays with so much class and well, the, way the, the whole century playing. he's been on the team, basically. Yeah. And he doesn't make mistakes, you know, and I know Tatum's so much younger. What's first around 36 or something, but he You're doesn't older. make mistakes. And, uh, and you're right. Maybe Tatum is two years away from his peak, but, um, and I think with a better coach, or maybe I, that's not the right word, a more experienced coach, uh, Tatum would not be so worn out at the end of games. I don't know. but I, So maybe, Tatum, maybe Tatum's most popular, but Bergeron's most beloved. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Because um, remember like way back when Bergeron, somebody cleaned his clock and he, he had that whole concussion thing and it seemed like his career was never going to happen. Right. Early I mean, people, on, remember? People love Devers, but obviously this is not baseball season right now. Um, oh yeah, Devers is a good one, but that, I mean, that team, everyone's going to bail on that team. I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with the tickets and the empty seats and yeah. people bringing signs to the games and shit like that. I think the, I think the Boston fans are going to get pretty bitter I did too. Demonstrative this year. A friend of mine said that we might see some paper bags over heads at the Red Sox games. It's unbelievable. This is like what what the early '80s was like. Yeah. When that when Fisk and Burleson and Fred Lynn and all that stuff when they were like embarrassed by the team. Feels like that. I I just can't believe. Like, how is this worth it? If you're John Henry, you've like a kajillion dollars. Why is this worth it? It makes no sense. He's got a kajillion dollars. He keeps buying. I mean, you mentioned the Penguins. He owns the uh, soccer team in Europe. Uh, he owns the race car company. Yeah. Uh, where's the investment in the Red Sox? Or, or a different way of putting it, the the way they're spending their money is bizarre. Yeah. It's just incompetent. Yeah, it's incompetent. All right, we have to go. Dad, good okay. to see you. I'll see you in a couple just, weeks in LA. Can't wait. We're um, looking forward to it. I might be bringing some friends. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, good to see you. All right, bye. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Solak and Traeger. Thanks to my dad. 
Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing as always. I will see you on Sunday night with Cousin Sal and congratulations to my friend Jimmy Kimmel for 20 years of JKL. Super proud of you, buddy. See you this weekend. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.